Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And we've got another patch show for you this week. We're going to be talking Whitecaps, Leagues Cup... League One BC, CPL, the Women's World Cup, and a lot of other fun little bits that we'll put in as well. We'll be bringing you some good music, what I feel is good music. We're <laughs> going to be joined all the way from down under by Harjit Jahal, who's very tired, but she wanted to be on the show this week. She's got some things she wants to say about Canada's exit at the World Cup. That's coming up in part two. We'll be chatting the Leagues Cup in this first part. Before we get into all that, how's your how's your week been, Zach? Busy, but good. I got up to Cultus Lake to the water slides. Oh, nice. With uh, yeah, with work, it was good times. We're recording this. It's a rare morning record, although it's going to go into afternoon, knowing how long our shows go. But it's a it's an early morning re- record for us because we're both up early after that Canada game. I feel we'll be bringing the energy. Well, actually, I, I watched it and then went back to bed. <laughs> ah, I woke up at 7.30 and watched on the PVR, switched all the internet off, didn't get any spoilers. Then the game started and that kind of spoiled things. But, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure who, who, that, who had it better, you or me. I think me. Yeah, probably you. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to give a, an update on, on bells. I spoke about my bell collection. and I tweeted out a picture of my bell end. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Zach and I I mentioned on the show when we talked about my previous bell collection that I'd got rid of a lot of my bells a few years ago just to make space and I didn't think I was going to need them anymore so I was doing a little bit of tidying over the weekend and I found this metal tin of mine and I was like oh what's in that and I opened it up and it was all my other bells I haven't thrown them out after all so wow. I still have all my bells. You so can happy ring for you. my bell, ring my bell, my bell, ring-a-ding-a-ding. Few interpretations of that song over the years, but it was a great disco classic from the 70s. Disco time when the Caps were successful, won one of their big and their main 
North American trophies, the 1979 NASL soccer ball. Are they shaping up to win another North American trophy? Is their name penciled in on that League's Cup, Zach? Because a late, late show in LA, this time not with Craig Ferguson, but another Scott <laughs> pulling the little strings down for the late, late show. The Whitecaps advanced with a 2-1 victory over the Galaxy. What had been a pretty horrible game for them, and a game that LA had been really dominant and in control of for 80 minutes, and then yeah. the wheels came off. And about 15 minutes later, the boos rang around the stadium yeah. down in Carson as the Galaxy threw away their 1-0 lead and the Whitecaps are through to the last 32 in the knockout round. Yeah, and it, it, you have to feel it meant more to LA, right? Because the aside from the money, the, the biggest thing for, and, and the trophy, I guess, the biggest thing for... Vancouver is to get the, back to the Champions League, which they've already yeah. accomplished, right? So yeah, they're, they're playing the house money now. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, they're, sorry, they're I stole money. it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, but for, for LA, in a, what's been an awful season for them, you felt like this was a place where they could prove uh, themselves uh, that they're not as bad as their their league position and league form has has shown, and and maybe make a run at that you know Champions League spot or whatever. Our spots. Yeah. Um, that, that didn't work out well for them. No, Le no, Leon no. But got the but they only have them. But here's the thing: they only have themselves to blame. Because, oh, absolutely. Like you said, they like I watched it. I watched it live, like you did, and they like dominated. Like in that, in the first half, they should have had a, another goal, maybe two. In the yeah. second half, they just had wave after wave. And there there was a 10-minute spell just before and just past the hour mark where they yeah. they had all these waves and they came kept, close they kept them coming times. in. They kept them coming in, working it to their left side, and then shooting at the back post where they kept just kept on missing. Yeah. It was I was almost like I felt like for a moment I was like, did I did I accidentally hit like back five minutes and I'm just <laughs> seeing the same thing over and over again? Um and then you're just like, oh wow, like uh, uh, as you're watching, you're just like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna rue these chances right because mm. in this thing all, all that needed to happen was a win in in, in regular time or a shootout win yeah right so all they needed really all vancouver needed to get back in it was one goal yeah because so as long as it was one now i kept saying to myself oh, we're still in this somehow <laughs> yeah it was I, nice to, uh, I, I think well, there's one one talking point i, I don't know how, how much you want to talk about this but it was interesting at first i thought oh this doesn't seem wise but even before it fully played out positively, I thought, okay, I, I see, I see, I see the upside to this. And that is Isaac Bomer. Yeah, that was a right. big shock. We got kind of a hint in the build up to the game from training that he was going to be starting. And there's a, a few questions that sprung up from that. It's like, is that wise in a must win game? How much do you want to win it? But at the same time, the lad's got to get experience in these kind of situations. He came in, he did well, and a huge save at one point as well, tipping one over. Then you've also then got questions about Thomas Sassal, who clearly has dropped exactly. out to number three in the picking order. Yeah. So has he? Because I mean, because they had two keepers on the bench for this one, right? Yeah, they brought everyone down, basically. But yeah, I, I mean, clearly Bomer's moved up to number two. 
That the, the club won't say that. They'll probably say we've got two number twos. Just like they had two number ones. When it was Max and Thomas uh, a little while back. But I I genuinely think Bomer has moved ahead of Thomas Sassau. And from Thomas Sassau's point of view, he needs to go and play. He needs to get loaned out. Pacific FC were desperate for a decent keeper. They seem to have turned things around a little bit with, with their two, but I still think that could be a, a landing point for him. I guess all I'll say is having two number twos is too many. Oh, I mean, I, I recently had a colonoscopy. I had way more than that, and it's like, I don't want to go through that again. If anyone's not done that prep, or if anyone has done the prep, yeah, you don't want to go through that. Thankfully, cleared for another five years. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, from what you told me, it sounded awful. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the only thing that was running clear in the build-up to that. But anyway, we, we won't delve into that. Oh, my. Come for the football chat. Stay for the graphic detail of Michael's bowel movements. Um, But no, I, I yeah, I thought it was, that was, re- that was really, it was definitely interesting because, like you said, yeah, one is that they weren't playing their number one, and two, that it wasn't Hassal. That they were, in, in fact, saying, no, we want Bomber to get yeah. a match. I mean, so, it, it was risky because is the chemistry there with your back line? And that's what yeah. you're always going to worry about. And then the back line gets all switched up. They've worked on building chemistry, and Luis Martins, who wasn't in the back three for this, he was going to be a wing back, had tightness no, in his he, calf. He was in the back three. Was he in the back? Oh, yeah, because Alberta yeah. came in. Sorry, yes, yeah. you're right. Because... Your little Scotsman was the left wing yes, back, yeah. which was another interesting thing in the formation. Now, obviously, it worked out. And obviously, the two times I think he's played as in that spot this year, or this year, or in his career for the Whitecaps, yeah. it's worked out. Um, but What wasn't as good this time around, wasn't getting the space. He's not no. that secret weapon out there that he was in that no. LAFC game. But yeah, no. the one thing about the other thing I want to say about Bomber is from someone who watches very little WFC2, um, because I know you've watched him there a yeah. bunch, right? Uh, he you can just see his progression as a keeper, yeah. Uh, you, you just his uh, I think part of it's his presence, his calmness, like even for me, like the way he communicated after making some of the, the saves in terms of telling his players that he wasn't happy that uh, you know space was created for a shot or whatever, um, was more on a like a more mature or a more dare I say, professional level or whatever. Yep. I, I would um, say the Isaac Bomer that we saw in 2021 and the Isaac Bomer that we're seeing now, huge leaps yeah. and bounds. Yeah. And Which it's, is, it's, it's sad for Thomas because that the progression hasn't been there for him. Well, I think he's progressed as a shot stopper. I, don't, I, I worry about some of the other parts of his of his game. But you're, but you're, you're right. And for the... For, Schuster, it's a probably a good problem to have, but if they don't do something with one of them, you're really stunting someone's growth. Yeah. So yeah. like something has to get done. Yeah, Thomas has to get later. loaned out or even sold. I mean, I'd like to keep him on, obviously, because it's like he's a he's a really good keeper. And you want he needs to progress, and by progressing you play week in, week out. So he needs to go to a team where he can do that. Yeah. And whether that is within Canada. I don't know, to be honest. It might have to be down in the US, might have to be over in Europe. Does he want that? I mean, those are all all questions for, for down the road. But they, they were certainly, the Whitecaps were certainly under the cosh. And 
as soon as like the first 15 minutes it was fairly even there wasn't really much happening but when Ricky Pooge put the galaxy ahead in the 16th minute from then on it was just dominant yeah. LA and they should have been out of sight as you say that was a good goal from from Ricky Pooge as well the little yeah. ball out to Caligari Caligari plays it in Pooge finds himself in lots of room then on the edge of the box and a nice finish not a lot Bomer could have done with that I feared the worst and as the pressure piled on, I definitely feared the worst. Ranko going out as well. Yes. That collision that well, he had. Well, Mar- Martin's not, uh, he pulled out in the, the warm ups, right? Yeah, he had a tight calf. Well, so, precautionary, they had to pull him out. Yeah. So then you had Laborda come on. And then, yeah, the Ranko one is concerning because that could, hopefully, that's not longer, right? I, I hope not. I mean, he continued for nine minutes before he's like, this isn't right. It's yeah. like, I, I need to come out. And I, I was like, uh uh. Karifa Yao, who I haven't been overly impressed with when I have seen him with WFC2, gave a pretty good account of himself. Well, I, in one sense, it's almost like the fact that Laborda started gave them more flexibility when the Ranko injury happened, right? Because then yeah. they switched to a back four, which were, I think a back three would have not been good with Yao, I don't think. No. Uh, and so I think it was, it was a, a good move by Vanny. Uh, kudos to Vanny. For the adjustment and and helping keep things kind of as much as they could, you know, maybe not, tight at the back is not the right, not the right phrase with the chances they were giving up, but at least it, like it worked out for them, right? And so, yeah, and all they had to do was keep themselves in the game, and they did. And then they just needed to sneak a goal from somewhere. It came in the eighty first minute. Oof. It was a great ball whipped in by Gold. White, I think, doesn't connect on that header in the slightest. And that's why it runs through and hits off Caligari. I've watched yeah. it several times and I can't see if he slightly moves the ball, deflects it, or if he just missed it. But it worked out perfectly. And then Caligari didn't know much about yeah, it. just yeah. hits off him and in. And, and, and from nowhere, because yeah. I was watching the game, Caitlin was reading, um, my dog Annie was just on my lap asleep. And I just let out this huge, yes! And the poor dog was absolutely terrified. Um, and I said to Caitlin, that's just from nowhere. Because I'd said to Caitlin, oh, if the Whitecaps win this, I need to watch the, the Portland game that's on afterwards, or the Tigers game, sorry, San Jose. San Jose, yeah. To see who goes through, and I'll have to jump in the post game. And then about a couple of minutes before the goal, I was like, uh, I don't need to do that. We can just take the dog out for a walk. <laughs> but it came from nowhere. Oh, yeah. And it was a great ball in from from gold. It was a, yeah, it was a very dangerous ball, and yeah, he felt a little bit bad for Caligari. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he oh, yeah, so he he provided goals at both ends of the, of the pitch. Yeah, I, it was a good game after that because it hadn't been. It was pretty boring at times. It well, to be a honest, classic game. I honestly I didn't see the Whitecaps getting a winner, but no. uh, I definitely felt like oh. With the PK experience they they just gone through, I thought like they were more likely to win on PKs. Yeah, I was confident. I've seen Bomer with penalties as well. Yes. And he's had experience with WFC too. Yes, so, I mean, exactly. So, he's I mean, had a bunch that... because that's part of the league setup, right? Yeah, or, yeah. Which I wasn't um, sure about when it was first introduced. I really like it. <laughs> yeah, I think for that level, I think it's 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 good. The uh, the goal again. Okay, so it's one sense it's fortunate. Um, you know, to get an own goal in that way, even despite the quality of the the cross from from gold, 
It also felt like Gold's touch to set up White for the winner was a, a, also on the fortunate side. No, I, yeah, I think he was. I mean, going it was great acrobatic. Yeah, yeah it was acrobatic he was going for the spectacular and... bicycle kick into the top corner, <laughs> and it just squeaked through and fell to White or hit yeah, White. And... It's kind of like my attempts at a bicycle kick would end up, I would imagine. <laughs> Although I'm not sure I would even have connected with the ball. In your younger days, did you ever hit a bicycle? Um, no. The only time, I, well, actually, I have. St- I've scored once, which was an own goal. It was on, on a, a sm- it was on a smaller pitch. I tried you to clear it and bicycle? I hit it over my head. Wait, you were trying to clear it? I was trying to clear it. I overstretched and I kicked it over my head into the own. It, it wasn't it wasn't a game that meant anything. It was just a play yard playground stuff. But I remember that clear as day. After that, did you get picked last a lot? Or yeah, <laughs> I was quite a chubby kid. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, it doesn't matter. You're skinny now. Yeah, I. I, I my nickname at uh, primary school was Podge. Oh. Mm. I, I did like the, the chocolates. <laughs> you still do? Yeah, if you wonder why I have no teeth, it was from an early age. Chocolate <laughs> digestive shoved down my throat. I you lived right across from our primary school. So at break every morning, my granddad would come over with a, a cup of hot orange and a biscuit oh. for me at the school gates. And then other... <laughs> Other kids would come around to see if I would leave them any, and I would decide if I was going to drink all my orange juice or give some of the one of the kids a, a drink of my dregs. Oh my! That sounds fucking bizarre, I know, but that that is genuinely what happened. And sometimes I'd be like, "I'm going to drink it all, nothing for <laughs> you it, peasants." Was, yeah, I was going to say, is this like a poor part of of Fife? No. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I, I obviously had like. Uh, ideas above my stature from a very early age. Yeah, yeah. Above your stature. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just came back to me just now. Anyway, um, and the other time, I tried a bicycle kick in the Whitecaps media match in the, the second one at BC Place. Is, and... that one called, is that one Caldwell fouled you? No. Or DeVos? DeVos fouled you? DeVos fouled me in the first one. Keeper oh. took me out in the second one. Or was it the third one? But this was in the second one, and I tried a bicycle kick that just missed. And Simon Fudge was like, McCall, where did that come from? Was he like trying to sign you up for his over 40s team? Could have done. Um, Honest admission, I wasn't trying to do a bicycle kick. Again, I just overstretched. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to bring the ball down. Oh, my. Which might have been what Ryan Gold was trying to do in this one. I once, uh, I, I was confident as a, when I was, because I didn't grow up in the game, right? And so I just learned watching and then I played a little bit and I was, I, I'll i tell you the fuller story another time. But one time uh, I hit a bicycle, it was, someone took a shot, hit the crossbar and I was near the top of the box and the ball came out and I was just like, I'm just going for it. I hit a bicycle and it went wide, it went wide, but only like, like less than a foot wide, like a few inches wide or whatever. And I remember from that moment on, everyone in that league gave me so much more respect and like space and like, not space, but like I could just tell like people are like, oh, he can, he can do something. Because <laughs> I wasn't, I, I, sl- I wasn't a slow that I was on, I didn't mean to do it in that media game. I didn't mean to do it. Yeah, you did. If we, if we play and this year, I'll try it again. I, I did score one in a, but it, it was like, like you said, it was like small side. I think it was like in a school, I think it was in a gym. We were playing like a pickup game in a gym with friends or whatever. And I think, it was like a, it was like a, a, a ball hockey net or whatever, and I was like really close to the net, but it went in and it felt good. 
I don't know that I should be trying it really at my age. Also, no. with a compressed disc in my back, it's not ideal. But... No, when I'm when I'm at the park now with Kirk, there's been uh, twice where the ball's just lofted up nicely. I'm like, I should I should just show Kirk how to do. That. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 because I'm like, I know I'm gonna as I land on my back, it's not gonna feel good, right? Like, plus you don't he... want to, you don't want to trigger an earthquake warning. <laughs> Oh, like, here comes the big one <laughs> which is also Zach's nickname on the football pitch <laughs> here comes the big one <laughs> actually if you, if any other listeners have some good bicycle kick stories send them in AFD in Canada on Twitter AFD in Canada at hotmail.com I'd love to hear or, them or if you have videos of yourself doing oh bicycle. yes share those <laughs> Let, let's get back to, to Ryan Gold's attempted one 91st minute winner the ball comes in. It, it was an, an assist from yes. from Gold. That, church it. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll claim that. Didn't quite come off. But Brian White, full credit to him, he got that out of his feet, out of the turf, to make room for himself. Turned inside the two defenders, four yards out, slotted at home. Whitecaps, 2-1 victory. Knockout round, here we come, baby. You finish that like the perfect striker would. Yeah. That's why he is so highly rated by Vanny. Should have been in the All-Star game ahead of these others. There wouldn't have been a 5-0 defeat if Brian White had been in that All-Star game. Yeah. Messi Paraphrasing would be... what Vanny said in the last episode. Messi would be lucky to play alongside Brian White. Yeah. I mean, who needs Julian Gressel as well? Julian Gressel, in the whole time he was with the Whitecaps, did not experience an away victory. Because the one that they got in LA was when he was away with the US national team. Well, and this one doesn't even count because not in the league, right? Yeah. So it's like Gr- Gressel leaves and we've got... Or Gressel doesn't play and we get our two victories, both in LA, funnily enough. So I think we should just play all our away games in LA. That'll be allowed. The league do things. It's like if they're going to make teams put down grass pitches for Messi coming to play. <laughs> which, interestingly... The Whitecaps could host Miami. Yeah. BC Place final. Messi's coming to town. Yeah, but th- this next round is the round of 32. Right? Yeah, we've got, we've got to get through that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm maybe looking against, a little bit ahead because we're playing Tigris. Against Tigris. Okay, so remind me, okay, because uh, I watched and I just can't remember and I haven't looked it up, but was the home leg against Tigris first or second? Oh, back in 2017, yeah. we were away first. Uh, in Mexico, and it was that, was that one, Kendall Washington. It was 2-0 away from home, but I mean, they gave a good account of themselves that day, and this is a better team, I think, than that that team from 2017. Because, sorry, the way, the way leg was 2-0 and the home leg was 2-1? Okay. It, yeah, because it was 4-1 right. in aggregate, yeah. Because they, they were right in it when, when she got that goal, and it's like, oh. Yes. Yeah. And they, they give a good performance. I think it's a better team. I think they've got their chance. I watched the Tigres-San Jose game. And, I mean, Tigres dominated, but San Jose had their chances. And I think if the Whitecaps play the way that they can, and they're at home because the Mexican teams can't host in this tournament, which is a little bit unfair. Why is it again? Just for revenue? Revenue. But do you get good revenue if... <laughs> In a place like Vancouver, I mean, Tigris, I think, could have picked a stadium somewhere in the States and they'd have probably got a big, bigger crowd and more Tigris fans. And they, once again, will be the home side for this. 
So they, they won't be playing uh, lion roars. We might hear some tiger roars over the, the PA system. I don't know if they do that for Tigris games, but it oh, should yeah. be a cracker. I, I was going to ask you, because the Lyon game was an away game, Was were the Whitecaps the home team in at the Galaxy? No, because Galaxy were the home team. So the Whitecaps had no home matches? No, because to, it was how it was drawn. And okay, okay. to have draw, a whole thing, a they had to have been a playoff team last year. Right, right. It's a draw thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, we weren't a playoff team last year. We could be this year, though. But, yeah, it should be a good game. And I'd mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, season tickets aren't valid for this one, but they were valid for the first game. So I, I hope there's a good crowd. It's, I, season, season ticket had, like, an opt-in, though. Yeah, you could opt-in uh, for I, it, which hopefully you won't have. I heard from some people like the GA the GA support section was like $20 a ticket or something. Yeah. So, again, very reasonable. And I, I, if anyone was at or watched that Leon mm-hmm. game, it was a fantastic occasion. We spoke about that in the last show. It was one of the best games at BC Place in the MLS era. That should have whetted their appetite. I hope the Whitecaps get a really good crowd out for this. We'll see what if we bring ki- out what another churro. But I okay. think it'll probably be 7.30. Will they have another churro? I don't know. Will Felipe make it through three more churros? <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll find out. I said the last time that the White Cats had brought out a special Mexican churro. I meant to say bacon churro because obviously yeah. Yeah. all churros are Mexican. Yeah, it was churro. They are all Mexican ba- churros. It was bacon with maple syrup or something. It right? was, and it was delicious, but it was a heart attack on a plate, which might have explained my ECG results that I got this week as well. But... <laughs> We'll see what happens when I go back to the doctor next week about those. Just sharing all my medical issues on, on, on the show. Should, oh should pay for an AFTN one for Felipe after the amount that he scoffed down at the, the Leon pre-match presser. But I'm looking forward to that. It should be a fantastic occasion. I think the Whitecaps can do it. I'm confident. I, I, I think in a one-off, they've shown that they, they can almost do anything. So Yeah, we're going all the way, baby. So obviously Lyon won the Champions League last year, but coming into the game against the Whitecaps, Lyon was what sixth in the table or yeah, something. Yeah, they, they hadn't had a they hadn't had a good season. What I place are Tigers in? Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at Liga okay. in the Mickey. And my other question is, how how old is Gignac? Because <laughs> he's still there too. Fifty four year old Gignac will be going out in this one. Wait, he's older than Ali Adnan? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> it, it's, it's been a. It, it's been a great tournament. Well, Ali might listen to the show. I don't want him filing any lawsuits. Allegedly. It's um. been a fun competition so far. Off the pitch, there's been some great crowds, some great atmospheres as well. 47 mm-hmm. teams started. At the time of recording, seven spots in the last 32 still remain to, to be sorted out. In the three Western groups... San Jose, Seattle, and the Galaxy are all out in the West. Yeah. Which, I've got to say, I've been rooting for the Mexican teams because I think it makes the tournament a lot more interesting. If in the last 32 you had 29 MLS teams, that would be pretty shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the MLS teams do have the seasonal and field advantage, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want the Mexican teams just to make it more of a, a an international yeah, flavour yeah. and, and stuff as well, totally. which I think. Four of the 18 Mexican teams have been knocked out at this time of recording, but I, I watched the Seattle game last night, and I the chant that came into my head when I was watching it back was, 2-0, and you fucked it up. 
because they came out like men possessed and were two goals up within six minutes. And then Monterey turned on the style, which, I mean, for a USL team, Monterey Bay, I think that was that they were playing. <laughs> a fantastic four-goal performance. That was a, one of the shocks of the tournament. I've, I have watched very little leagues club outside of Vancouver and a few select highlights, so I haven't. I have not seen that. Oh, but, it's, it um, was well worth watching. It's very enjoyable. Who scored the goals for Seattle? Uh, Jordan Morris, and oh, I can't remember who got the first one. Let me check that just now. I've been to Monterey. That's the stadium with the mountain on the side. Well, Is it I, Monterey? I didn't see a stadium when I was down there. It was at the aquarium. I'm pretty sure uh, that's the stadium. Then I went everyone... to Pacific Grove, and then I went to Carmel. I'm pretty sure it's Monterey, where everyone wants to go to that stadium with the World Cup. It's got a huge like. Oh, map. you're talking about the Mexican Monterey. I'm still talking about the one in California. Oh, uh, Ladero scored in the second minute. Morris in the sixth. Okay. Oh, and then Yamar got sent off in the 86th for a stupid off the ball incident, where he just does a little elbow into the guy's throat. Is he is he uh, suspended for next year's League's Cup? Yes, yeah. Because it carries forward and he'll probably get another game added on to it as well. So whatever team he's with, he's suspended for that, as is Polito with Sporting Kansas City. Oh. Because he got an extra game tagged on as well when he was sent off. But it was the commentators were like, I don't know why he's holding his face. And it's like, because he's just been elbowed in the throat. <laughs> why do you think he's holding it? He's making sure that everything's still in one place. Are you yeah. saying the same, same old flounder's always cheating? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was a hat trick for for a German, German Bertarami. Who? Uh, German. I guess it's German. Bertarami. Oh, but he's, he's not he's German. German. You're cheering on your Germans. He's not German. His name is German. No, he's German. And Jordi Cortizzo, who's obviously Jordanian. That's that's how things work out. But it has been a fantastic competition. I'm really enjoying it fully entering into the spirit of it all and I'm really looking forward to the game at BC Place on Friday night should be a cracker how do you think TFC fans feel about the tournament well they gave a decent show against Atlas talking of mountains yeah they got smashed though by Man City Light they, they got very heavily smashed by that it was a good turnaround performance I guess you can see I I, I, I actually, think Teddy Dunfield should lose the interim tag and they should just make impairment because he has six matches and no goals scored and, and six defeats? They should give him a 10-year contract at TFC. <laughs> With a 10-year option? Do you know TFC were in the frame to sign Rudy Camacho from Montreal? But this morning it's been announced that he's actually gone to Columbus. Oh, with Nancy? Uh-huh. See, wow. And Gressel and, and, and Camacho. Yeah, but wow. it's like TFC were in the frame to sign him. And I'm like... They That's have ridiculous. lost the plot. They, they have. They um. All joking aside, actually, it's probably good for them that they're out at this stage so that they can regroup. Yeah. I've heard that there there might be huge turnover. Wasn't there a rumor that Larea is going to Besiktas? Yeah. Well, oh, they no. said they were going to send a Canadian, and folks just automatically thought Larea. Right. That could be Sam it could be. I don't I was know. Gonna but say, yeah. I wouldn't have jumped to Larea as my first choice, to to be totally honest. But no, that for, from a TFC point of view, it is a, a chance for them to to rebuild and maybe get a new manager in place now. But I have heard that there is going to be maybe up to five players moving on from from TFC. So I think they do need a big overhaul. But who cares about them? They're out. We don't care about them. Montreal are also out of the League's Cup, finishing bottom of their group. They were in a group with Pumas and DC United. 
They got two points. But it's been a great competition so far. Looking forward to more. Let's see what Friday night brings. That's it for our Whitecaps chat. Well, at least MLS-wise, we'll talk about Whitecaps League 1 BC teams in Part 4. But we're going to turn our attention to the national stage next. Wasn't a good Monday morning, or Monday evening, as it was in Melbourne for the Canadian women's national team. And we'll be back chatting about that with Harjit Jahal after this. Hi, I'm Brian White, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of July, wrapping up their residency at AFTN Towers from Edinburgh, Scotland. A song from their one and only album, released in 1986, a self-titled affair. That was The Shop Assistant's Caledonian Road... And we'll have one more song kicking off part four from the shop assistants to round off their Artist of the Month tenure. But there's a a line in that song that goes, the time has come when you must be moving on. And it does feel that the time has come that the Canadian women's national team has to move on from some of the players that's been stalwarts for the team down the road. The legend Christine Sinclair the legend is Sophie Schmidt, who announced that her international career is over today after Canada got beat by Australia and are departing the Women's World Cup down in Australia and New Zealand at the group stage. It's been an absolutely fantastic tournament so far, though. One of the best, one of the most enjoyable, been some absolutely fantastic performances as by teams from individual players some tremendous goals as well a lot to talk about so to talk about all of that i'm delighted to say that we have coming on the show all the way from down under garai hajit johal good day mate how's it going it's going good how many shrimps have you thrown on the barbie so far I've done zero shrimps on any Barbies. I've not even seen a shrimp or a barbecue because it's bloody cold here. Yes. I like. I know it still gets up to like the high teens during the day, but I didn't know it got down so cold at night and in the mornings when you've been at training. 
Yeah, there was a frost advisory the first week we were in Melbourne, and yeah, it was not warm. Then. Not a lot of us Canadian media brought jackets, so it's not been pleasant. You can get a nice, like, Aussie hoodie or something to bring back with you. Well, I've been looking at the shops. They don't come cheap, so I'm going to... I wore no. four layers to the game today. Well, because I watch a lot of, like, Aussie and New Zealand shows... A common thread is how expensive it is to live in Australia and New Zealand. I mean, before we get talking about the football, how have you found your whole experience there so far? Everyone's really friendly. Everyone's really nice, helpful. But yeah, the cost of a lot of things is something that I wasn't familiar with. It definitely surprises you. Even if you do the conversion from Australian dollars to Canadian, it's still... A little bit unusual so yeah the cost of food or drink or clothing uh whatnot you know uh, ubers yeah it's a, mm. it's a little bit different than what you would would expect but it works out in the long run but you've been enjoying flat whites so that's always a good thing i've had a couple of those i've been sticking to chai lattes mostly oh because if anyone doesn't know, the flat white was created in Australia. It's like an Australian, yes, yes. like legendary drink, which it was over in the UK before I came over here. And when I first came over <laughs> here, there wasn't many flat whites, but now there's there's more and more have it. It's fantastic. It's like fifty percent coffee, fifty percent milk. You'd be hard pressed to find a coffee shop that's open past three o'clock as yeah. i tweeted out an article the other day about I, this. I read that that's crazy i didn't know that i guess technically though they do advise that you don't have coffee after one o'clock so maybe that is why it says no me it's to do has... with businesses the guy was telling me today that oh no one buys coffee in the afternoons i'd have to pay my staff and there would be no one in here and i'd lose money so yeah I, I said, that doesn't really affect me, sorry. I just want a coffee. I don't care about your stuff. So, have you picked up any good Australian slang? I know they love their slang down there. A lot. We were talking about if you were going to come back swearing like a trooper as well. I mean, I already do anyway, so... Yeah, there's this one where uh, you say, oh, um, we're not here to fuck spiders, mate. Oh, I've never heard that one. Yeah, it's good, eh? It basically means uh, we're not here to mess about, or we've got stuff to do, we're not playing around, we're not joking. We're not fucking spiders, mate. That's basically what it means. Have you seen any spiders? Zero! Oh, that's good. Barely seen any bugs. That, that's very, very good. <laughs> and there's a few other things I have heard that are inappropriate about swear words. Well, you did share that nice clip of Chappie with me, where she was screaming at the... I guess that was the Australian highlight of the bench. Game. Yeah. Highlight of the game. She jumped in at me, you twat. <laughs> Classic chappy. Fantastic. You mentioned Uber, and mm. we were just chatting a little bit last night, and you, you sent me an article as well. Like you, You've had to Uber and get the, the tram all over. Not so. as much Ubering, mostly tram. Mostly tram. Oh, that's good. That'll save you some money at least. But it's not been easy for you to to go to games that's not been Canada and it's not been easy for you to watch games well, either to because... watch the game has been quite challenging, yes. Yeah, so I mean, we've probably, be, we've had way better access here than you've probably had down there. You have, but you've had games at all hours of the day and night. Yes, that's when a PVR comes in handy, although me as a night owl, I've yeah. been taking in some of the 
the late evening, early morning games and then going to bed and then just watching the rest when I go up. So but... A telephone company called Optus has the rights mm. for the game, so they have to show the uh, Australia and New Zealand games on the telly, but for the other countries, they, they're not obligated to. So your best bet is to go to the fan zone here in Melbourne or all the other cities. But yeah, trying to watch the game and during the day, it's not really been happening. So oh. maybe the Canada being eliminated, maybe I'll have more time to do that. Now, now you've got the pick of the games that, that you can yeah. choose for for the knockout round. So, I mean, let, let's get into that. So for, for everyone as well that is listening, it's 10 a.m. Vancouver time here. What time is it in Melbourne? It is nine past three in the morning. Oh, I actually thought it was just after two. So this is even later than I thought it was for you. Oh dear, I am. Well, I didn't. I didn't get back to my accommodation till about one forty-five ish because I got the one a.m. shuttle. And then I had to walk back to where I was staying because it doesn't actually drop you off where you're staying. It's a designated spot, and so then I got here. It had some food that I had over there and some dinner and yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you joining us at this the wee small hours of, of the morning because f- for once we've decided to record the podcast in the morning the one time that we record in yeah, the morning the so one lot. time that Har wants to come on and, and chat about stuff but we won't keep you for more than four, three four hours to, to talk about all this right let, let's get into the, the meat and the potatoes sure, of it. sure sure Canada are out of the World Cup I mean, we'll, we'll delve into all your thoughts on all the games, but let's just talk about the big one, the Australian game today. It was an awful performance by Canada Terrible. in that 4-0 defeat. But you've got to say for Australia, what a performance, what a crowd, what an atmosphere. And after not maybe lighting it up in the, the games against Ireland with a narrow win and then the draw with, with Nigeria... They lost to Nigeria. Oh, the, so, so yeah, they they lost to Nigeria. That one of the the shock results in the tournament, one of many so far. Did you expect them to come out and just take Canada apart like this? No, of course I didn't. I was talking rubbish to all the Australians. I I saw. I know, and I, I said telling... to you last week that Aussies yeah. were going to do this and knock Canada yeah. out, and you were like, no, no, no. You always say that though. I, I just thought the home crowd would play a big part because you know what it was like here with Canada. Because Canada always plays on the road games. They never play at home, as we know. They played Australia twice in September, Brisbane and Sydney, and they beat them twice in those games. So yeah. I figured it didn't make a factor back then. Why would it change now? They didn't have a healthy Sam Kerr, and yes. they didn't even need her. So they pulled a blinder on all of us. Well, I mean, that's the that's the crazy thing. It's like they did this without Sam Kerr. And when yeah. you saw that she was on the bench to start with, I think a, a lot of folk over here had spoken about they thought it was smoke and mirrors from Australia to say that's, that she was going yeah, to be good to go. I, and, I said it was yeah, a ruse. Yeah, and it's a shame for her that she hasn't got on in the group stages. And if they'd gone out, I mean, that would have been heartbreaking for her. But... It was some performance. Australia again got off to a quick start, like Ireland did against Canada as well. And it, it seemed that... I, I don't know how it felt in the stadium, but watching it at, at home, it just felt that Australia wanted it more from the early going and they were on the front foot. 
And I thought Canada's best hope was to get that first goal and to come out early, to silence the crowd, take them out of it, and then to really pile the pressure on Australia. But Australia just went for it and they got that early breakthrough. And then after that, there was no looking back. Yeah, Canada wasn't going to do that. They like to sit back and have the teams come at them and then try and nick the ball off them and get them on the counter and get uh, a goal off the rush or maybe a garbage goal or the one that Adriana Leon scored against Ireland. They Mm. were planning to do that. What didn't really work out is Australia scoring that first goal and really punching them in the face first. And then from that, it just went downhill. And I said to Coach Bev in the presser, I said, you know, it just kept getting worse. And, you know, she she agreed. You know, it could have been 2-0 Australia right off the bat because Kaylin made that diving yeah. save, Sheridan did. So it just could have been a lot worse than, you know, 4-0. Well, I mean, when it was 1-0, there was the disallowed goal as well, which yeah. when yeah. I saw it like live, I was like, ooh, that's going to be borderline offside. And then obviously it was called off. But I you thought they thought... caught a break. I thought, oh, they're going to yeah. readjust. Well, know, that's the break, thing. No goal. And then they come back and they get another goal. I mean, that was, that was a huge like wake-up call for them. We yeah. have to be yeah. better defensively. And then just minutes later, they just switch off again. And Sheridan, you feel, Corner. had to be better at that. Yeah. That's twice. That's two corners in two different games. The Olympico that Katie McCabe yeah. scored off the corner. And then uh, the second Russell goal where she mistimes the jump or she doesn't get the ball. And you either have to knock the ball away or make sure if it does fall that the opposition doesn't score. And none of that happened. There's too much ball watching, standing around, waiting for someone else to do something, especially on that disallowed goal by Fowler. So there's just a lot of, you know, what was the game plan and what was Canada doing? You look at that first goal, uh, Jade Riviere is way up the pitch, and then Khadija has to come over and try and cut down Steph Catley, but then that kind of pulls her from her center-back position. So then you have Vanessa Gilles trying to overcompensate, and then Ashley Lawrence, and they're just getting pulled in all sorts of directions. And, you know, there's no cover. There's not enough, you know, uh, structure and defense. And Australia just picked them apart. Well, at halftime, Australia had had three shots on target. Two yeah. of them had ended up in the back of the net. Canada had none. No shots on zero, target. Zero. Yeah. And you're yeah. thinking, oh, they need to get that, that attack going. They need to get something going to get what well, was a dangerous front three on paper. Sinclair, Grosso, Hutema, and um, Leon, like from yeah. four, really. That I mean, that that was a dangerous looking attack that Canada had, but they just couldn't get them going. So then, three of them get taken off at half time. Was that a big surprise to you? Because I was like, oh wow, that's to make four substitutions going into the second half is. Is quite a reach. It's a sign that it's not going very well. And mm. Bev said, you know, we threw the, the kitchen sink out there and they're looking to get a spark or an injection of life. And it, it didn't really help or it didn't make things better. It kind of stayed the same, got a little bit worse, two more goals. But that's just kind of a, a desperate move to try and get the team to wake up and to get going. And, you know, it, didn't, it worked against Ireland and it didn't work against Australia. 
And Beth mentioned that Jordan Heidema had a, a quad, kind of like a knock or a slight injury. So ah. I was wondering, you know, why she's starting it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. she felt good to start, but is that the right decision to make? Uh, Adriana Leon, she's been great in this country of Australia. Four goals scored in this country in the last year. Uh, can you name any other Canadian player that has scored in, in Australia in the four games, Michael? No. That's because none have scored. Just yeah, well, Adriana. We talked about this in the our preview chat. I was like, as always, the question is where are the goal's going to come from? And there's obviously been a heavy you reliance. You would have thought someone would have stepped up and they didn't. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's like there's been so much reliance on Sinclair over the years. And I think she'll blame herself for missing that penalty in the first game. She'll say that's why they're out. If I'd scored that, it would have been all different. And, I mean, on the one hand, yes, that is a a fact. But on the other hand, you can't put everything on the shoulders of her. But they mentioned in the commentary here, and it's something that was going through my head, like, is Bev Priestman too stubborn in trying to build this team around Sinclair? Now, obviously, she was dropped for the the Ireland game, the one game that they they won. (laughs) But has it just been a case that they think... We've just got to do everything around her because she's our best hope of scoring. No, not at all. I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think so. I think if anything, Bev's kind of moving away from playing Sinclair as much as she has played in, in the last few years with Canada. Uh, how many times have what have we have talked about or seen a game where Christine comes out at halftime or she doesn't mm-hmm. go the full 90? And, and we're seeing that. So I see a slow... Uh, a transition, and if Christine stays on to play at the Paris Olympics, should Canada qualify, and I think she would, uh, I think we could see something similar where it's more minutes or it's a, a role change for her where the younger players are getting more of an opportunity. So I think uh, I give Bev credit for taking that on and realizing that well, Christine's still a big part of this team. The team doesn't revolve around her, and there's still a lot of key players, and you've got to get those players going and, and firing so that Christine can come in and help them, and it's not all on her. There are Flemings and, and Grossos and Heidemas and Prince and Rose and a whole raft of players who can uh, contribute. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen in this World Cup, but Paris is when they're going to have to go and play their best. And they usually do at the Olympics. Yeah, because they're defending their their title there as well. And I, I think it is important to move on. And for all the Christine Sinclair's given to the game here, and she's a legend, and she's the best Canadian player, male or female, of, of all time. You look at all that, but it, you can't be relying on a 40-year-old to be leading your attack. So they have to get these young ones going. And the only way to do that is to get them playing. Of course, you're losing windows. You're not having friendlies to to get them that experience, which is a, a whole other thing. In this game, the third goal was always going to be key. And if Canada had got it and made it 2-1, it would put the pressure right away on Australia. They would be like having one eye on the other game, wondering what to do they might not be so keen to just go all out attack but then Mary Fowler just yeah. was allowed I mean when we've analysed Whitecaps games over the years we've talked about oh the Whitecaps have just let a player waltz all the way from the halfway line almost unchecked into the box to finish 
this was exactly like that. And Schmidt yeah, said afterwards yeah. that she blamed herself. That was her fault for that no, one. No, no, no. I don't blame Sophie. If you look at the play, two players go to the player who has the ball that passes it. Uh, I wrote it down. I have to check who that was. Uh, I think it was Ford, Caitlin Ford. Then you have uh, Buchanan and Giles going to her, and then why is one of them not covering Fowler? And she gets the redirect and goes off the post and kind of rolls around and goes in. And there's a, a shot where Sheridan's kind of looking at the ball and it's kind of trickling in. Mm. You can't a lot. You can't have that. You can't have two players go to to one player forward. So uh, another uh, play where they're not marking and they're not really paying attention out there. I mean, it fell over at that point. There was still the hope that yeah, Ireland a... could maybe get a couple of goals and then if Canada could sneak one, stuff would have gone through then. But, I mean, no. Ireland, I, I fast-forwarded through that game after watching the Canada game and Ireland were never really in that at all. And Nigeria had one that almost went in. It was a save on the bar. And Nigeria go through a second. Australia go through top of the group. When you were looking into this tournament, if someone had said to you, yeah, Nigeria is going to be the only unbeaten team in that group and go through in second, you'd have been like, what? What are you talking about? Well, it's a group of death, as people called it. It lived up to some chaos. I mean, it certainly did. And if you look at Canada's performances, though, overall, yeah, they should have beaten Nigeria because they had the penalty, but I felt Nigeria were the better team in that. Yeah, and they really turned on. Ireland could have turned the screw and got a second goal before Canada had really got themselves back into it. And, I mean, I think Canada were lucky to get out of that one with a win, I felt. Ireland should maybe have got a point from that game as well. They just didn't hit the heights. So, I mean, what what do you put that down to? A lot of attention's now going to be on Bev Priestman. Is she the person to lead this team forward? Do you have to at least give her this Olympic qualifier against Jamaica and see how it goes from there? Yeah, I would give her at least a year, assuming they beat Jamaica and go to the Paris Olympics to defend their Olympic gold. You look at all the stuff they've had to deal with off the pitch with the CSA, with the negotiations, and you look at all the injuries they had leading up to the World Cup and then the injuries during at the World Cup. There's been a lot they've had to deal with on and off the pitch. So, you know, hopefully in the next year, it's a little, a little more calmer and they have time where they can just focus on football and play more games and get healthy and get Becky back and maybe Desiree Scott and ha have healthy players. And, you know, Fleming had a calf injury. Kadisha had the illness and Claire had a bit of a knee. So, you know, they're all, they're playing with a lot of knocks, Heidema. So yeah, I think you still keep Bev on. You give her the year and see how she does. You know, she won Olympic gold. She's a, a fantastic coach. The players love playing for her. And I think it would be a knee jerk reaction to dismiss Pressman over this. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Jamaica <laughs> games are huge. It's like they're yeah. absolutely massive now. And I think if they didn't get through that, then you, you have to make a change at that point. The question, even like with those injuries, would the goals have come? I'm not sure they would because the players that were injured aren't out-and-out goal scorers. They can get goals, but they're not the players you're expecting to score. What yeah. I would say, though, is like the off-pitch stuff with the contracts and things, 
I hope they don't use that as an excuse because that's not why they lost. At this no, 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 they're not. I talked to okay, a couple well, of players. I talked to Christine and Kaylin Sheridan in the mix zone, and I put out the Sinclair tweet. Some folks have seen it, but yeah, she absolutely does not put this on the CSA. You know, the players are the ones out there playing the games. Yeah, and well, that, so that's good. Uh, I haven't haven't had the Sheridan chance to read Twitter that yet, as well. But yeah, you know, some people were saying, you know, CSA didn't prepare them well. This is on them. You know, you can blame the CSA for the preparation, but at the end of the day, you know, those players are out there on the pitch playing the game. Yeah. You know, maybe if they had better prep, they would have, you know, prepared better going into the tournament. But when you're at a World Cup, it, it comes down to the 11 on the pitch. It, it does. What, what I would say about the off-pitch stuff is they need to get representation that's going to be doing all the negotiations for them so that they yeah. don't have to get drawn into it because costs money though costs a lot of money i know and i know the women's players don't make a lot of money to pay for that but it's like the best way forward for them now and the men is that you let the lawyers deal with this or your union yeah. or whatever yeah. and if your unions aren't good like combine with the the pfa that represents the the cpl players and just have that representation going for you. So you don't have to be part of those negotiations. You don't have to go to government hearings and have all that distraction. Yeah, that I, takes up a lot of time and it's stressful yeah. for all of them. I mean, it, it's it's not ideal. But I mean, Canada's out. What was, what was the the mood of the Canadian players like after the game? Devastating, like, devastating, did, heartbroken, crushed. Did they stop Absolutely. and talk? Were they happy to talk or...? They actually did. They were. They stopped. I was uh, impressed. I was very thankful that they did stop. Mm. We did get to speak to quite a few players. Um, Jesse Fleming was the first player we spoke to, and she was in bits. You could see she was crying. You know, she had tears, and so we, we didn't want to keep them too long. A minute, yeah. minute and a half. Um, Vanessa Giles came out, and we talked to Vanessa, and again, very um, emotional. Not a lot to say. You know, obviously, you don't want to grill a player and ask them difficult questions. You want to just get a quick couple of quick comments. Um, Sophie Schmidt spoke. I, I didn't talk to her. I missed Sophie. Um, I want to grab Kaylin Sheridan, you know, goalkeeper. So, you know, I talked oh, to she, Kaylin. She was in bits after it as well from the, the pictures that they you showed. Know, she said they just didn't show up. Honestly, they didn't show up. They let Australia dictate the play. Yep. And obviously, uh, you know, that's what happened. Uh, Christine Sinclair. She spoke to a lot of different outlets, a lot of the media, uh, CBC, and then she came over and talked to us print reporters. And she she, she was great. And um, I asked her about Sophie Schmidt at the end, and she said, you know, you're going to make me cry. She's my best friend. And I, I don't know if you know, but obviously she's going to be retiring. Yeah, she announced day. it on the, in her post-game interview on TSN. Yeah, so this was um, Sophie's last game with the national team. Uh, Bev and... I was hoping maybe they can convince her to stay on for the qualifiers against Jamaica next month. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. But yeah, Christine talked about, you know, the game, you know, once they got that early goal, they were able to kind of set the tone and the play. And, and that was a big challenge for Canada. You know, obviously, there's been talk as to whether, you know, she's going to stay on after the World Cup. Is, is this her last World Cup or Olympics or what her are her plans and you know christine's a very private person she's not going to kind of make a big announcement or you know do a sound clip so 
uh, we'll respect her decision and see what she decides going forward. You know, I did ask her, you know, how much of this loss in early exits on the CSA, you know, uh, speaking like a true captain, she took the high road and, you know, she didn't want to take the blame and say it was the CSA's fault. You know, there's a lot of different factors. And so I thought that was very well spoken by her. If we look at the rest of the, the tournament, I, I would say... For me, and I've I've probably watched the Women's World Cup since I moved over here, so 2011 was probably the, the first one that I watched. Yeah. And I would say that this... For that me, was a bad one for them. Yeah, it was, a, it was another bad one. I've I started with the one that they didn't get out of the group, and now we're talking about this one. But this is, overall, this tournament has been the most enjoyable one for me so far. It's been yeah. the most competitive one. The gap between nations certainly seems to be yeah, closer. I know, I know there's a couple of blowouts, but yeah. even with that, it's like some of the performances have been incredible. Colombia won, Philippines won, mm. so a lot of upsets, and it just goes to show that it, it grows the game. Uh, other teams are catching up. Canada needs that investment. You know, as Christine was saying, you know, we still don't have a league in this country. Mm-hmm. The only team at the World Cup a lot of professional women's team league in their own country. And Haiti. Haiti don't have one either, but that is because they don't have any leagues there at the moment because oh, yeah, of the, the political thing. unrest. But, you know, I mean, that that's very true. And that's the thing. It's like after 2015, you thought there'd be a league then, but nope. After the Olympic gold medal, you think, oh, there'll be a league then, but nope. So we know one's coming in 2025. Yeah. It's The gap is definitely closing. Colombia, did, did you get a chance to see the Colombia-Germany game? That was one of the best games of the tournament. And those I heard Columbia, about it, sounds oh, good. The Colombian kits, those purple kits that they've got are absolutely amazing and I might have to get hold of one of those. They're tremendous. But I mean, that was a great, great game. We'll speak to Zach in the next part about his thoughts on Germany losing to that one. But <laughs> I love that. Ger- Germany had played well up to then. Japan. So Japan? They've scored the most goals in the tournament so far with 11. They have to look like the favourites from the group stages at least because they just tore Spain apart today. I just fast-forwarded through They've that They've been one. tremendous. They're very, they are very. don't get talked about enough, but they're a fantastic team. Obviously, they they won the the World Cup a, a, a few years. The Olympics. Yeah, and then they lost the final here. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's like the the tra- I, I focus said this was a transition team. They seem like they've transitioned fully on yeah, to a, a threat now. It's like, yeah. I I mean, for me, I think if I was putting money now on a team to win it, it's got to be Japan. Who I haven't seen the betting, but they have to be the favourites. What have you thought of the US? Because they do not seem, they seem a shadow of them themselves, but. They are a team that can grind out results when they need to. I think with the U.S., people are expecting them to blow out teams or have big wins, and you don't really need to do that. Obviously, the Netherlands are a really strong team, and they had that 1-1 draw. So mm-hmm. we'll see how the U.S. does in their final group stage game. But yeah, you know, you just have to get to the next round, the knockout round. You don't have to win big, but with the U.S., if it's it's not a heat, it's not. They don't win big, you know. There's something wrong. People are always talking about, yeah. oh, they're mad. So, you know, with Canada, they would have been happy with where the U.S. is right now, but 
Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. like, England's another team who they've just been grinding out the narrow victories and they haven't looked fantastic yet, but it's a whole different animal when it gets into the knockout round. I, I think for the rest of the tournament, it was important that one of the hosts went through. So New Zealand going yeah. out, I was so heartbroken for them. That Philippines game, though, was just the, the absolute killer. But it's going to be interesting to see what the crowds are like in New Zealand now for the rest of the tournament, because I know ticket sales had been slow there to begin with. They'd had to give away a lot of free tickets, which they might have to do. I think Australia going through will at least keep the interest alive in Australia. What what are you expecting now for the the rest of the tournament? I, I know it's early to ask you, but what, what are your plans for the, the rest of the tournament? Where do you think you might want to go or what cities do you want to go and explore? Somewhere where it's warm. I'd like to go somewhere where I don't have to wear <laughs> four layers when I go to cover a game. So Sydney's somewhere probably warm. your best bet then. Sydney or Brisbane would be nice. We'll see. Um, you're you're uh, there for the whole tournament, aren't you? You're going to stay all the way through to the final. We'll see what happens. I didn't expect them to go out this early. Nobody yeah. did, really. Come back for the Tigris um, game. Whitecaps Tigris. It's warm here. It is warm. Yes, it is. <laughs> and the coffee shops are open later. Yes. You can Australia's get 24 hour Tim Hortons. The Aussies are going to Sydney to play probably Denmark or China. And Nigeria will probably go to Brisbane and play England. So mm. that's a possibility. Uh, that would a few one. of the. A few of the Canadian media are still in uh, the area. I know Brazil and Jamaica are playing here in Melbourne on Wednesday evening. So that could be ah. something to check out. Uh, anytime ah, yeah. you get to watch Marta, yeah. that could be exciting. And also Jamaica for the next opponents. Maybe some scouting. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can become a scout for Bev. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe she'll stick around to watch that game. Last thing to just ask you is, I think she probably will, actually. I was hoping she was going to be back in time that I can talk to her after the League One Championship game at BC Place on Saturday. So she might be back for that. Well, thank you for joining us at this early hour down in Australia. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. I hope you stay to the end and get to okay. see the final as well. I bet it's obviously going to be a lot of money to, to do that as well, but... Thank you for joining us, giving you us the insight as always. Let folk know where they can find all your stuff. Uh, all my stuff is uh, Equalizer Soccer, so uh, it's cranking up the, the content. Uh, there won't be much Canada for now because they're going home. So uh, thanks. Thanks for that. And give Har a follow on Twitter at Har Journalist. And yeah. That was Har's thoughts about the World Cup so far. We'll get a little bit of thoughts from Zach eh, to kick off the next part. And then we'll be talking about some labour issues and, and bring you some audio that I've had to shell from the last two episodes because they've been so long with Scott Arfield. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Stephanie LeVay and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Interest in all these things is that I find someone to adore.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is our kind of unofficial Artists of the Month for July. I've been playing songs from Edinburgh record label 53rd and a 3rd. And the band that I most associate with them, aside from the shop assistants in the pastels who members set up the record label, are Bells Hill Band, BMX Bandits. And I think I've played this song on the, the show before. It's uh, from 1986. It was a B-side to their 12-inch E-102 and Sad single. My favourite bit of the song actually wasn't included there because I would have had to have really played the whole four minutes of the song because my favourite bit comes at the end where he's singing, which is why it's then called this, Would you like to see a film with me about a cat from outer space? You can choose the film that you want to see just to match your pretty face. I do. Who? It's about the the Disney film, Cat from Outer Space, which I I do remember having this discussion, I'm sure, with you, Zach. Have you seen the film Cat from Outer Space on Disney Plus? It's a late or early 70s, one of those Disney films. It's fantastic. I I have not, Michael. I'll go home and ask my daughter if she's seen it, though, because... She watches a lot of stuff on there that I haven't. It, it's really good. I haven't seen it actually for a number of years, and that, that's just a good song. And I, I just say my daughter because she likes animals. So Ah, well, it, it, it's a fun film. It's about a cat from outer space. I don't want to give too much away about the plot. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anyone that might want to find that now on Disney+. Plus, But... BMX Bandits, fantastic band. Have to make them Arts of the Month at some point, maybe later this year. Lots of good tunes to pick from. Had the reputation for being the nicest band in Scotland because at their early gigs, they'd throw sweeties out to the audience and went for that very twee and kind of camp feel that they had, but some great tracks from them. So yeah, we will feature them, I think, as an Arts of the Month, maybe to round off 2023. But that song there was Cat from Outer Space, a cat from out of this world. Do you know what other cats are out of this world at the moment? A number of the top women's players at the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Yes, that is my horrible segue to get us back chatting Women's World Cup. Zach rejoins us now, so just get your thoughts on Canada's departure. Obviously, we're both absolutely gutted by them going home. What what did you make of that? It it was a bit of a thrashing today, and for some of the goals, you could say Australia just waltzed through that Canadian defence. A little waltzing Matildas, eh? Yes. Um, Yeah, I, I think... I mean, the, the tournament for, for Canada is bookend by two significant penalties. You have the, the penalty today to put the exclamation mark on a thrashing by the hosts or the co-hosts, Australia. And you have the 
all-time leading goal scorer in football, uh, missing a penalty and a and a goalless draw in the opening match. That, I mean, in essence, is the difference between progressing and not progressing, right? Yeah, and I mean, um, it's brutal to say, it's factually correct, and she'll know that. And I said to her, she'll blame herself, but she shouldn't because her teammates did not step up. But then, it, but it, that leads into the bigger conversation of how Bev Priestman chose to go about this tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Like the continued reliance on Sinclair, like even in, even in in this final match. I, obviously, Sinclair was a part of a group of players that came on in half against Ireland that 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 turned the tide, for for sure, and 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 she didn't play the most. I don't think I don't think she played the most significant role of those who came on as subs, but she was definitely a part of it. And she also took a knock in that game, I believe. I heard that she was kind of limping for a day or two after that that game. Uh, I heard some people questioning whether or not she would even be fit to start this game. But they go, they go, they go back with her, and they left out. And maybe I'm biased because of where I live, but they left out the person who was maybe the most significant to that turnaround, in in Sophie Schmidt, who I thought really should have been a part of that midfield today. And but yeah, I think there's lots of questions around how Bev set the team up the, her and built the squad, her reliance on Sinclair, and then also just bringing in so many players. And maybe the other options, I guess, weren't weren't good enough, but uh, bringing in so many players who are not match fit, who are coming back off injury, who, you know, the, uh, yeah, like Nichelle Prince and Deanne Rose, both coming off Achilles ruptures, right? Like, you're you're not the same player, especially when you don't have, you don't have the games ahead of time at club level to get you ready, right? And yeah. I don't think either of them really had that, and so you Canada was not be able to stretch the field with their pace, and it, it made teams easier, I think, to to play them and play them in front of them. Right? You saw today they today they tried to to get Leon or or others, or maybe even Fleming occasionally and Hoytema occasionally. Um, they tried to play, keep on playing them, you know, over the top, and it was just like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, Australia played them in such a way, knowing that they were it, they weren't going to be able to get beyond them, and it was like they were playing into their hands. Speaking of Hoytema, I want to say this before I forget. Um, I don't know if you caught it on the broadcast. I'm pretty sure I saw Mr. Hoytema in the crowd with his giant, his giant moustache. Oh I'm no, pretty I sure never. it was him. Yeah, he was holding up a Canada scarf. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Mr. Hoytema. Because ah. <laughs> remember back in the day, we used to, you know, hang out with him at the... Yeah, chat to loads over the years when Brody was... Yeah, when Brody's with the, the Caps. So, yeah, I, I felt like, in one sense, maybe Bev's hands were tied, but it just, that that's a a, a real, I, I, it was, it's a real difficult, and it doesn't get any easier because they're going into these... Olympic games against Olympic qualifying matches against Jamaica, who's played excellent in this tournament, uh, or you know, play. I would say it played above themselves or yeah. played above their pre- previous levels in this tournament, which and is so now going to raise the pressure on them even more and yeah. the pressure on on Bev Priestman. I mean, I, I well, asked her this. I'll just quickly ask you yeah. this: Is Bev the person to lead the team forward just now? I mean, surely she has to at least get these qualifiers because a change now would be drastic. We've talked about this in with in, in different scenarios before. Or oh, we definitely talked about it, I know, but when it comes to the, the men's team, I think Bev's the person to lead this team unless Bev doesn't want to. Hmm. The CSA is not making a change, right? The CSA 
I think for financial reasons alone, won't won't be, make a change. I don't think they would see that as being good stewards of the funding that they that they have at their disposal. And so that that'd be a decision for Bev. And I don't think Bev's going to. Uh, I don't think Bev's going to walk away at this point. Um, I, I think uh, I haven't heard all the post match interviews. Obviously, so, so Sophie Schmidt. It was great again. Sophie to say something positive about Sophie Schmidt, who I don't agree with about everything. Uh, she says, but it was really nice to hear a player come out after the game and say, yeah, that third goal, that was my, f- I did not track my runner. You know? Yeah, it, it's interesting because when I said that to her, she was like, oh, it's not on Sophie. But it's like Sophie's yeah, but, admitted that it is. But there's said a lot of fault to go round though. Oh, yeah, there's, oh, there's, yeah but Lo- Sophie's saying ultimately the goal scorer was my player. I, yeah. stopped, I stopped my run. They continued theirs. They scored. Therefore, I, I feel responsible. So when a player holds up their hand and say, "Hey, that one was on me," like at least there's that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think that's th- that that kind of accountability. I think people appreciate. Uh, I've seen a little bit of Fleming's comments. I haven't seen and in Bev's interview. I saw that as well. Yeah. Uh, when I, when I watched the match live, it was yeah, it was. I, I made sure to stay up to to watch some of the the post match interviews that were that were on. Um, but I, I was speaking of the broadcast. I think. Uh, again, someone who I don't always fully agree with, but I appreciate her perspective is is former national team player Clara Rustad, who made the very very important point, which I because I, I think the trouble with the trouble I think one of the potential pitfalls of this of this current moment for the women's national team is and there will be agents uh, and I don't mean football agents I mean people who will want to um shape the narrative in a certain way and it totally can be you know it's very easy to shape things especially in a moment where there's a lot of chaos and turmoil and sadness and reflecting and whatever a a lot of people will want to shape this around um the um less budgetary spending that the team had in preparation for this tournament which is an issue for sure it is an issue but to me that's not that's not the, one. It's not the only issue. Two, to me, it's not the primary issue. And Clara Rusted talked about the primary issue at the end of the match, where she stated that she's been doing um, coverage for I think it's the last four World Cups or whatever for whoever's been the broadcaster. And she said at the end of each tournament, I've said the exact same thing, and that is this team has trouble scoring and creating quality chances mm-hmm. in, in World Cups, and they have not been able to solve that and that is ultimately the reason why why the side is going home what everyone feels to be early oh yeah it's like you you look at the the goals that they've scored in this world cup and it's two and an own you, goal? yeah an own goal and one from leon and set up by schmidt that, i mean that's it and if if that is what you're scoring, I mean, the halftime subs, this is what I, I asked her about this, so I'll get your thoughts on it. I was surprised that there was four, but you look at that the attack, and you, you've taken off Grosso, you've taken off Haitama, you've taken off Sinclair. When you saw that starting lineup, you were like, oh, they're really going for it. It's an attacking lineup, and they didn't get on the front foot they allowed Australia to, and then they were on the back foot from 10 minutes in. Were you surprised there were so many attacking changes at the half? I mean, it wasn't working, but surely some of those players were maybe your best option to try and get that crucial next goal. 
Well, but again, this is uh, one of the problems, which was was also raised on the broadcast, is that the the front three who started that game played more like individuals than than like yeah, collectively. They right? seem on the same page. At and, and so you brought on Lacasse, who's in form at club football. You brought on Rose, who was meant to maybe actually stretch the back line, although I don't think she did. Even though she did uh, later on, Vienne, who came on, who I mm-hmm. thought was quite quite good, and uh, probably should have had more opportunity in the tournament. Uh, she set up Rose for a, a respectable opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't surprised. I was, yeah, I wasn't surprised by the, by the. I was a little bit. I was surprised by Sinclair coming off. I was a little surprised by Grosso coming off. Although, mm-hmm. I, I, Grosso felt like well, see, because I think because Australia knew. I think they felt like Canada couldn't beat them over the top, and so I, I might be wrong, but I think they shrunk the field a bit. And they absolutely pressured Quinn more than I think maybe any team has in this tournament, maybe than any team has against Canada in a while. And Quinn had like no time on the ball. If you give Quinn time on the ball, they can uh, play a, a great pass, right? They have a great range of passing. So Australia did not allow Quinn to do that. And which made like Grosso, I think, more ineffectual than than she wanted to be, right? She also didn't have space. She also wasn't able to get open to be an outlet for Quinn or to be a, a partner to Quinn in, in those kind of scenarios. And, and so I think her, her big contribution of the whole half was that like sticking a leg out on that near post corner that was ultimately kind of a, came to nothing, but was in the moment when it looked like a deadly flick to the back post. Um, so I, I felt really bad for, I felt, I felt really bad for Grosso, but I I I respected Bev's uh, decision to say no. We need to make drastic changes. Mm-hmm. We need to make them now. Uh, uh, Riviere coming off too. I thought I, I I like her. I think she's a really uh, good player for Canada and can, will continue to have a I think a big future because she's one of the younger players. But yeah, it wasn't kind of happening, and so uh, I I don't think she was. Well, they were getting beat down that side, right? The the, the opening goal came from that side, and so they put. They put Lawrence onto that side so that they could uh, then play. Uh, and then Chapman obviously came onto the the left side, and Chapman was Chapman. And uh, I think then you saw the the other goal, the, the other goal in the half, or sorry, yeah, the other goal in the the, the third goal in the half came from the other side. Yeah, uh, Australia. That was the one where they the did waltz through the yeah the defense. I mean, one of the big issues for me, which I think is a big factor in all of this, is. The rest of the world has very quickly caught up with Canada, while Canada has kind of stood still and almost gone backwards in how they've been playing. And you've seen that this tournament. There's there's been a couple of blowouts, but some of the teams that's been blown out aren't necessarily the minnows either. That's that's been blown out. Like you, you saw Japan just take Spain apart this morning as well. But Spain was also already through, right? Yeah. But I mean, you get still, the, yeah. the odd result like that, and I, I mean, this and, and, this was a four 0 as well. I mean, this was a, a bit of a blowout. But yeah. the minnows have the perceived minnows, like the the Colombias that have been fantastic and put your your girls to the sword yesterday. I watched that second half. I did not see the first half. I watched the second half, and it was it was quite the match. I think that's been my favorite game of the tournament, not just because Germany lost, but I just think it was just tremendous. Was, yeah. The skill, the atmosphere as well. I did not know there were so many Colombians down in Australia. Yeah. And uh, those purple kits that Colombia's got as well are something else. I love those. 
Really? Uh, yeah. You know, I, like I don't like them. Nothing against Columbia. I, I don't like it. I don't like it when it looks like a, a, a shirt's like almost like th that style of art or like it's like an unfinished work of art that maybe a child has made with all the smearing and the whatever. That's probably why I liked it then. I've got a childlike innocence. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just not that's just not my cup of tea. Like for for a kid. I, I like it because it's kind of like solar system almost, kind of spacey, and that goal from Caicedo was out of this world. Maybe the White Caps signed their own Caicedo. <laughs> Maybe we should bring in Linda. No, yeah. It's been a really good tournament, though. I've enjoyed this more than any of the other tournaments, and I think the parity's helped, but there's been some bangers in there as well. It's been a very, very interesting tournament. I will, I will agree with that. Um, It'll be interesting to see how many more can, like how many Canadians continue to watch it now that Canada's out because I know the numbers yeah. have been really good up to this point. Um, but yeah, I, I, going back to Canada I, again, I, I can't stress enough that it is it, Canada has not done well at the World Cups. Like they have not. Mm -hmm. We, I mean, two, 20 years ago we had a great run to fourth place, right? And you, I think you remember that. Oh, you were before you were here, but. I don't but know the if you first, first one I watched was 2011, and that was obviously a okay. bad one. <laughs> so 2003 was a great run. Carl Lang was in that team, right? Um, uh, young Sinclair was, I think, still, I think, there already. Uh, yeah, she was. And uh, who else were some of the other players? Andrew O'Neill, I think, was part of that team. There's all anyway, all these players. But uh, since then, we've we've not we've not been really good at World Cups. And the crazy, I know people are like, oh, but the, the bronze and the whatever. And the gold, the gold medal, the gold medal. When you look back on that tournament, we talked about it at the time, right? It's a smaller tournament, less big teams, especially from Europe, are there. Mm -hmm. But also, Canada didn't score goals. Like mm -hmm. we, we got through Fleming, Fleming, Fleming taking penalties, yeah. right? Like, and and in even in some of those games, we like, I if I remember correctly, like we didn't create a lot of chances in in a, at least one or two of or at least two or maybe three of the knockout games, right? Like it, it wasn't it, it wasn't like the football was drastically different than what we saw at this World Cup. We we just were not as good defensively, and we we didn't get into penalties or we didn't take them, and we didn't create chances going forward. I, I think the real the real thing here is that uh, we need to improve offensively. Like I think Bev Priestman going into these Olympic qualifiers and ideally into the Olympics is we have to work at chance creation. We'll also figure out what's gone gone wrong uh, at the at the back as well. Yeah, because that's where they've been so solid for years, and they like they were getting those wins at the Olympics with like one nil wins, penalties, and they were they were keeping clean sheets, and they they just they kept won this tournament, and yeah, you gave a go up to an Olympico, which. Keeper should have done better with, but it's still they weren't bad games defensively. But then this one most certainly were, and it was an Australian side that were ramping because they knew what was on the line. And the interest in the tournament down there as well, I think, hinged a lot on at least one of the hosts going through. Moving on from that, and just something else that we'll talk about in this part, it, you, you touched on it there. And yeah, there's been the lack of money for preparation. There wasn't the goodbye game. The, we don't know what's going to be coming I, I, up. I, I I don't know. I'd say I don't know if I characterize it as lack of money for preparation. I all, all we factually know is that, from what I, from, um, you can correct me on this, Michael, is that the the budgetary amount for preparation in 2023 
was less than what was in 2022. Yes. So, but they did have a like they they had time in Australia. They were there before the tournament. That they've eaten well at the tournament. Yes, had their private chef. Was was that Har's article you sent me? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, so, so it's the same chef that the, the men so, had. So it's like the nutrition side of it and everything's been there. They were in Australia to acclimatise, although they didn't really need to because it's freezing, as Har told us down there. Yeah. So you've got all those things. So that was all in place. What I was going to get to, though, is some folk will obviously say, oh, they've been battling with the CSA and that's what's behind it. Well, Har asked Christine Sinclair after the game tonight and Christine's answer is, look... We've been battling our federation for support, but I can't put this on the CSA. There are 23 players out there and staff, and we didn't get it done tonight. I think more of it is a wake-up call for our federation and the lack of professional league, the lack of support for our youth national teams. I think we're just going to continue to see teams reach our level and surpass us, whatever you want to call it, if things don't change. And that's going back to how the other countries have caught up with Canada because they are investing in their programs and Canada hasn't. We, we're one, we touched on it last week, ourselves and Haiti, the only two countries in this World Cup that don't have a professional league. And yes, there's one coming in 2025. How financially viable that will be and how top level that will be is what obviously remains to, to be seen. There's been stuff come out this week from both the men and the women's national team players. Mm-hmm. On the men's side, they issued us a statement, which it was agreed with the women to issue it when they did. I don't think they should have issued it during the Women's World Cup, to be totally honest. I don't think the timing of that was great. Saying it was a cease and desist, which apparently had been issued eight weeks previously. Uh, I read another article. So why it then suddenly came out now, I, I don't know. But cease and desist for sponsors to be using their images and likenesses in their advertising so this isn't things like Fonzie with BMO that's a separate thing he's signed a deal with BMO he's appearing like Julia Grosso is doing the ads this time around Ashley Lawrence with Adidas so like all those things are different things that the players have signed this is other sponsors that might use clips from the World Cup or images of the players the national team have said we don't want that used because we haven't got the monetary compensation. So that was one of the two things that came out this week. Doesn't FIFA own the clips from the World Cup, though? I would think they would, yeah. I I, I, I'd, I don't know if it's a legal grey area or what, or maybe it was not clips from World Cup, but maybe qualifiers or yeah. just the players in general or, or whatever. So, I mean, that was one of the, the two statements that came out. And then on July 28th, the Canadian women's national team issued a statement that said, on July 24th, we reached an interim agreement with Canada Soccer to provide compensation for our team for 2023, including prize money allocation from the FIFA Women's World Cup. As the extent of Canada Soccer's financial constraints have been revealed, we have been forced to choose between compensation and the funding required to hold necessary training camps. We've been forced to choose between receiving a fair share of the rewards from our team's success at the World Cups and our commitment to equal pay and equal treatment with our men's national team. These are choices we should not have to make. Um, And I won't read the rest of the statement. That's the 
the key thing. Basically, they're saying it's not over. So, I mean, they have been fighting to to be treated the same way as the men. And aptly, both teams now have gone out of the World Cup at a group stage. So they've got the equality in, on that part of it. Yeah, the, the 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 wording of success at the World Cups is kind of awkward. Yeah, because both teams didn't really have success at the World Cup. And at least they got there. But that's me being flippant, obviously. But no. that, that is a, it's also a fact. It's like they have gone out at, at the group stage, both, both the teams. Now, we won't go too much into this because we've talked a lot about this. Now, they say it's not over and it's not. There is going to be more battles ahead. I do feel that these statements, both the men's and the women's, it's lost some support from some fans along the way. Some are adamantly, obviously, backing the players. And I, I think... You have to look at it in two different ways. There's the, the whole CSB deal again, which is still hanging over everything. And as we've said on the show, I feel it's a terrible deal when you look at it now for Canada soccer. At the time, it wasn't. And the fact that the money that comes in is going to the CSB and not to the CSA, apart from a small amount that the CSB are paying, has affected what they want to do. You've had more expense from World Cup runs on the men's side and the World Cup money that's come in. Where's it gone? How much is it, has it been? Etc, etc. So th there's that factor. It's not a great deal when you look at it now. Can they get out of it? That's a whole different topic. Then there's what should the national team players be getting? And what are they entitled to? And for me, that's another big thing. You can look at equal pay, but you can also look at the fact that the Men's World Cup generates a hell of a lot more income than the Women's World Cup. So should it be an equal percentage or should they get paid the same way? But I think but, they're beyond that. I think they're beyond that, yeah, of course. The, the men have agreed that they get paid the same, so there's that. But what are they entitled to? Because th th this is the big thing that I've got with both the men and the women's players just now, and we've talked a little bit about it privately. If they get a big whack of money from the money that the CSA are taking in. It affects everything else in Canadian soccer. It affects the youth camps. It affects the youth teams. It affects things like the, the Paralympic teams, the futsal teams, the all those other things, referee training, coaching development. So you're taking the money out of the grassroots thing. So it's like it comes across to me that the players, they might say, oh, we care about everything, but they're looking after themselves first and foremost. They're wanting a big payday. They're wanting to make more money. Now, and I'm old school. I'm looking at this from the old-fashioned way. But back when I was a lad, it was a privilege for players to pull on the shirt of their country. And it wasn't about financial reward for that. But it feels that these group of players feel other people are benefiting from our efforts would they be happy to take a smaller pay cut if the money, or a smaller pay percentage, if the money then was going not to the CSB, but going into grassroots? I don't know, because although both parties are very good at publicly saying and criticising the CSA and the CSB deal and what they're not getting, I feel they haven't really come out and said exactly what they are wanting and what they would be happy with. There, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I give you so uh, someone I saw someone who had done some uh, not in an article I saw someone else who had done some kind of digging and 
whatever, just to give a bit of a clarity to your comment about the deal was good at the time, um, which we've talked about in the past, but uh, I, I read somewhere that essentially the sponsorship deals when the CSA signed the, the CSB were worth roughly $1.4 million, right? So $1.4 million. And then on top of that, you have to take away the money that they had to pay to get to pay TSN to pay Sportsnet to broadcast their matches, right? Yeah. Which was not which was not cheap. Which is then ironic that all these things come out from Rick Westhead on TSN, and it's like, exactly. well, your channel yeah. could have you stepped work, up many you, many years ago. You work for someone who's a part of the problem, Rick. Like that's that's mm -hmm. that's, that's not debatable. Anyways, uh, which is why some of his reporting is very frustrating to me, but. Um, so you're looking at less than $1.4 million, whatever the broadcast costs were for a year. And I won't even, I won't even guesstimate what those were. And the CSB deal turn, turn that into a guaranteed three to three to four, three to four million dollars over the length of the 10 year contract. Right. So again, essentially they doubled their revenue, right? They more than doubled their revenue. Right. So like you can say that it, it were you can say that, yes, in hindsight, now it's not good, particularly because the men did qualified for the 2022 World Cup. And it was double jeopardy for the, the CSA because not only did they look like they would not be able to capitalize on the men qualifying in terms of different, uh, you know, revenue generation, but also the way in which that qualifying took place was larger and more expensive than any qualifying had been in the past mm -hmm. due to the one the number of games two i think they had to charter for a bunch yep. of those things three they had to deal with other pandemic protocols that were more costly so it was like it was like a a perfect storm of awfulness for for this for the csa i appreciate and i'm, I'm hopeful that the the owners in the cpl will be able to uh work with the csa to augment and make that um amount larger than it is in the in the current contract um and can work together for the better of canadian football as a whole because that's what that deal was about like that was it was a deal to make things better for canadian football as a whole because I, I i've seen several comments uh all along the same line and i'm paraphrasing here of we don't want the cpl to succeed if it's going to be detrimental to our national teams which is an absolute moronic yeah, statement. because I don't want the national teams to succeed at the detrimental of the grassroots game, male and female, youth and adult across this country. Well, that's the thing. This all has to... You all, we, Michael, we've talked from the beginning of our time together as friends in football about one of the biggest problems in football in this country, and maybe it's not dissimilar to other countries, is that people cannot... Um, step back and analyze what is best for the game as a whole, but instead put their individual desires or wants or needs ahead of that. And this is another scenario where both the men's and women's players have to realize that this, this, the endeavor of the CSA in, in the CSB agreement wasn't to make CPL owners rich because again, no one is getting richer. I know. The CPL. It's, and, and, I, and I feel so, like having a big billboard to try and put. Maybe the owners could get together and do that. It's, just to it's try all and let about. It's, know. it's all about. It's all about mo moving the game forward in this country as a whole. The CPL was set up to, to help to help that 
provide opportunities. They employ over like 500 people in the game. The goal of the CPL is also is or was, I guess maybe you would say now, to have a women's league because that's mm-hmm. needed as well. The CPL owns League One Ontario, League One Quebec, and will one day own League One BC, which is about a pathway for both men and women. Yeah, it's it's incredibly. It, it, it's so frustrating. Yeah, and and most of the most of the people I see commenting don't understand the issues, which is the the bigger frustrating part. Um, they just they I they if I feel like they can only they're only headline literate, and so they can only read a headline, and they can't actually understand what what's yeah. actually. There are some people who do read more who have a differing opinion, and that is what it is. But, um, yeah, this you ha- you. This all you all, you have to work this all together to move together holistically. Yeah, everyone needs to sit down with cool heads, and without government interference, hopefully as well, to to thrash this out and sort this out for the good of the game. Every side's going to have to make concessions: the CSA, CSB, the players, and like the women. It feels they have made some concessions to get this interim deal done because they've had to choose between options we still don't know if we're going to get the the camps coming up for the the september and october window on the male male and the female sides and that's ahead of important games for both teams this has to get sorted out now and i i don't know what the answer is but everyone is going to have to make concessions at the end of the day and it was interesting you I was listening to one of the Footy Prime podcasts and I'm pretty sure it was on this that I heard it where they were saying on the men's side there's some players that's really invested in this and there's some that couldn't care less. Because well, yeah. Well, you, well, you if you're Alfonso Davies, you you make, like, he, he just said, yeah, all my money I make from this, from the World Cup money, I'm just, I'm giving it to charity. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he cares less because he has more money, you know, from his club team that he doesn't have to worry worry about this. So it is a little bit of for some people it is, it is more about their livelihood, right? Which yeah, but that that goes back but... to then what I was also saying before, which was like in the past players played for the privilege of playing for the country. The money that they got was a small drop in the ocean, and I know the games changed drastically and money's out of control, and you've got all these players going to Saudi and making obscene amounts of money per minute for the time that they're there. And some of these Canadian players, and especially on the women's side, aren't making much money because there isn't a lot of money in the domestic game, especially on the women's side. But it's like, you've you've got to look at the bigger picture. And it, I think a lot of this just comes across now of we're just thinking of ourselves. Well, and that's part of the, the apples and oranges of the men's and women's game. We talked about this before. Uh, the... A lot of women made their living off playing for their national teams, right? Like even back going back in the day, the CSA paid for was it fifteen players who who played in the NWSL paid their salaries, yeah. right? Like so, yeah, it, it, uh, because of because the, the women's game is uh, at the club level is not at a at a place where everyone can live off of it, right? Yeah. So as that, and even with Project A, it's not going to be. No. Like, you look at the CPL where what's the minimum wage? Thirty six, I think. I thought it's thirty. I thought I'd gone up from thirty to thirty six. Either way, thought, it, it's thought, a pitiful I, I thought, amount that's not going to let you leave live in a city like Vancouver. I thought it went up from twelve or fifteen to thirty. 
but yeah, I mean, the money's not there. So I know there's a lot of private investors coming into the women's side, but still only three teams announced for that league right now. So a lot of work to get done. We won't there's go a, into any more of that. There's but. a there's a bunch to be announced. I think later this year. Yeah, I I believe there is some. So that that announcement of the of the agreement, though, Michael, that's just for the World Cup compensation, right? That, like you said, there's the bigger overall debate where they want to have a yeah. And they yeah. need to, and they need to sort it out. But there has to be training camps, and it can't be at the detriment of youth training camps. It can't be at the detriment of grassroots games. And if players feel that they're being pressurised into accepting this because the money's not there, and they feel the money's not there because of the CSB deal, and that is all factually correct. That is exactly the case. But they can, if they, they can get out of the CSB deal, then they can't magically have this money appear. Well, yeah, they can't. Uh, yeah, I I don't think they'll legally be able to get out of the CS, CSB deal. No, the CSB is going to have to make the concessions as well as which, every which, single one will. Exactly, which they've said they're willing to make. Now, how much? That that we don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that that's all our chat about the World Cup, all our chat about the payment who, side who, of it. Who are you supporting now, Michael? Australia. Yeah, okay. I, I will. I, I, I'm hoping that the German woman will bounce back from the loss to Colombia. And um, yeah, I'd love to see Colombia go far, actually. Uh, and as long as England get knocked out, I'll, I'll be happy with uh, England and America. Get them knocked out, I'll be happy with who else. Yeah. So is it Nigeria is going to play England, right? Yes. If only if England top the group, which isn't guaranteed because they've not been playing fantastic either. But it's, yeah, I mean it's great watching these up and coming teams and. And the only team in that group that had an undefeated record, which you'd have got good money on at the start of the World Cup. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. But that is it for our World Cup chat. That is it for the chat about contracts and stuff. I'm going to bring you some audio now that I've had to cut from the last two shows. I was on a call with former Canadian men's national team player Scott Arfield recently, just chatting about his move to MLS. And could he be tempted to, to come back and play for the Canadian men's national team. Here's what you had to say about all of that. How do you feel like your transition to American soccer has been over the course of your first couple of weeks of not only training, but uh, your first couple of games as well? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um... The first couple of weeks was obviously just just training prior to the game until I got the visa sorted and and was capable of playing. And I think you know going forward that would that's going to help me a lot. Um, and the two or three weeks behind the scenes, I really got to know my teammates, really got to know them on and off the pitch. So hopefully going forward now, um, we can go full steam ahead and and hopefully get the results that we all want. How big of an influence was your former teammate from Burnley, Ashley Westwood, in not only having you come here, but uh, he mentioned in his own recruitment that he really wanted to come to America. How much of that was also maybe a desire of yours in order to try and make America a part of your career? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I've said before that when I started representing Canada at 24 years of age, 25 Predominantly at that time, the, all the all the players were mostly uh, MLS based, so I really got to know about you know the the league and and the travelling and and everything that comes around with it. So it's one thing that's never you know I've not took for granted. I know how difficult it is, but 
obviously I know I know everything about it. So it was always a desire. Um, I was close on a couple of occasions to to come before in my career, um, and now I'm so happy that that I've done it. In terms of in terms of Ashley, it was it was very pivotal on this uh, transition for me on and off the pitch, even before I came here. Um, I think the GM and the and the manager sort of leaned on them, uh, leaned on him, sorry, to talk about to talk about me as a player and a person. So obviously me sat at, sat at this seat, he's obviously done he's done okay for me because he's obviously said the right things and hopefully I can back it up and on and off the pitch. Um, I'm here to represent this football club and I feel as if I can do it in a good way. I know it's a small sample size, but what have you noticed is similar to leagues you've played in in MLS and what do you feel like is, is different uh, about this league than others you've played in, whether it's championship, Premier League, et cetera? Yeah, I think as you go, you know, and, and the Premier League in particular is is so um is so technical. You know, you could you could think that you're so comfortable in games and and very uh very clear and methodical. And then, you know, the caliber of the players, as soon as they turn it on and and they sense a moment, then it, it just goes like that. And before you know it, you can you can lose a game two or three zero. So um and the EPL obviously stands out because the best players play there. In terms of Scotland, it was it was physical as well. Um, we were used to at Rangers to have eighty percent of the ball and and try and break break, break teams down uh, on a weekly basis in the SPL. It was a bit different, obviously, going to Europe and, and playing against Celtic, where you need to share the ball and really really look after the, the opposition in terms like that. The first two games that that I've represented here, I've really enjoyed it. Very very physical, very very athletic, um, and. And uh, as I think is the more fitter that I get, I'll be I'll be more accustomed, and um, that transition will come more natural for me to to get up and hopefully do the things that I do well. I wanted to touch on what attributes of yourself as a player you feel make yourself so useful in a league like MLS. Well, I think in the first two or three games, which I've been seeing, um, I think we just need to score goals at certain times. I think we've been in every game that we've played. You know, we've we've drawn drawn a lot of. A lot of games within that last forty, sort of four to six weeks, and I think that is you need to score at the right time to win these games because the transitions, you know, the, you're always going to get the transitions, but it's about picking your moments, and that's also what I think is a, the best attribute that I've got: arriving in the box late and really, um, really taking the moments when it comes, and and hopefully I can continue to do so. Obviously, MLS is going to be very different culturally on the pitch from stuff that you've had before. How have you found transitioning into Charlotte? Obviously a very different city from Glasgow, but has there been any kind of culture shocks for you off the pitch? Well, I've no need to wear a hat for once. In Glasgow, I'll be wearing a hat every time to try and go under the radar. So uh, I've not had to do that yet. No, listen, in the, in the Gold Cup in particular, when, when we sort of went around the States, I absolutely loved it because you were seeing different different things and different cultures within the, within America. So I absolutely loved that. Uh, and this city is is taken me by surprise to, you know, I've seen the full extent of it now. I played here against Cuba in 2019 World uh, Gold Cup, I think. So I knew the city, I, I had to get out a couple of days, but spending three or four weeks here, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've now got a house, we're settled in a house, my family's over here. So hopefully we can really enjoy it together and, you know, you enjoy it by by winning games of football. So hopefully we can do that. I was going to ask you about the anonymity factor as well. I mean, Charlotte's got a big fan base. You're not going to stay anonymous for too long in the city. But 
was did that factor into like having been in the microscope with the old firm and everything the last couple of years? Even if you'd come to a Canadian club, you'd have been under the microscope here. Did that side of it appeal to you a little bit? Well, it, it kind of does in the back end there. Um, you know, you, you, when you're here, but it wasn't a factor making the decision. The decision was to to try and um, extend my career at a, at a fantastic football club and, and different cultures to bring my kids into. That was that was the thing that I wanted. You know, I was uh, I wanted to stay at Rangers. That's what you know. We had an amazing five years, but all good things come to an end. And you know, I've really landed on my feet here in terms of this city and the fan base, the stadium, what we play at, the the training facility that that we've now got here is. It's as good as anybody. So, you know, I've, I'm absolutely ecstatic that I'm here. And um, as I say, I, I really just want to get going now and, and try and make this fan base happy. Um, although I'm Scottish, I'm here in Vancouver in Canada. The the national team stint that you had when you retired from international football, you said it was because you wanted to concentrate on playing domestically with Rangers. Now that you're over in North America, would you be open again to Canadian national team call-ups or... Has that ship very much sailed for you? No, I've always said, you know, at that time it was um, it was a, it was a, a, such a difficult decision for me because you know I was captain at that team at that time. Um, you know, the players that then went to the World Cup was just sort to start to come through and if, and fruition the sort of um, the standards and the and the team ethic that we had back then was what you've seen in uh, at the World Cup this year. So, you know, it was a difficult decision, but. As I said, I was desperate. I was desperate to to win the league for Rangers, and the, and the travelling did take its toll at that time. There's no doubt about it. Um, coming back on, on Thursday nights and and having to play half past twelves, and sometimes in Astroturf, sometimes in old firm games, and you know that they're, they're difficult to play. Everybody thinks it's easy to play at, at Rangers and Celtic. It's it's no. It's definitely no. You need to be a certain a certain player and a certain caliber of person to really get going. So. It did. It was a bit of adjustment, but now I'm here. I'm always, I'm always open. You know, I've still got an amazing friendship with with most of the most of the players there, um, and the manager. I've got full full respect, and we've we've got a fantastic relationship. So, you never say never in life. Um, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then I'm extremely lucky to do so anyway. Cheers, Scott. All the very best in Charlotte and MLS. You too. So Scott Arfield there, just talking about a few things, coming to MLS, playing for Charlotte. Said he had a little bit of trouble finding the clip to start with, but he's here now, looking forward to the season ahead, and he's had a good start to it, even though the team did lose to Montreal at the weekend. But I asked him there, Zach, a little bit, not expecting him to say much. Was he still open now to coming back to play for Canada now that he was based in North America? Very honest, he said he found it really difficult for him and his family with the travel, playing on the turf pitches, trying to then balance that with with getting back to play for Rangers, trying to win the title, stop Celtic doing 10 in a row. And it was a lot of pressure on him from from both sides and he, he chose the club side. I think a lot of Canadian fans haven't forgiven him for that. And when I tweeted out that I'd asked him that and what he'd said and we'd have the audio in the show, a lot of... Canadian fans saying, yeah, we don't want him back for the national team. Few saying, yeah. What I would say is, I'm not saying bring him in as a starter, but he has got a quality 
in the midfield that we are a little bit lacking. And I'm not saying, oh, let's have him back as a start for 2026. I just feel as an experienced hand, an experienced head in the squad, Zach, to kind of help bring some of the younger guys on, maybe be an option off the bench. There's a lot of words that players can use that uh, maybe make things okay, like not coming to play for your country, like, hey, it was not great for my family, or the travel is difficult, or the service are difficult. Uh, but for me, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that he opted out, and I don't see him coming back in. Like, I, I, I don't think he will. But I just yeah. wanted to see if he was open to it because obviously no one's yeah. really had a chance to ask him about Canada since his decision to retire. And there was a lot of stuff floating around where I believe Hedman said he'd retired and then Scott had said, no, I haven't. And then Scott said, no, well, I have now. And so yeah. there was a bit of confusion at the time. I mean, hopefully once he's kind of got his feet under the table in Charlotte, we'll sit down with him and just have a chat about it. I still find it weird that a guy that, that did sweet switch allegiances then decides to do that when the, it's the best Canada team in a generation yeah and you've got a chance to go to a world cup you're one and only chance to play at a world cup yeah it, it yeah it seems that's the, for me it, it seemed f- foolish in one sense yeah i guess in another sense for his career it prolonged him or got him more well years, yeah and got a rate, uh, it's like that's why he's he's come over here he feels it's going to prolong his career playing with charlotte at a top level club and I, I wish him all the best even though he played for rangers i i'm a big fan of scott arfield i think he's a very good player and he needed to move out of there because he wasn't going to be getting the playing time and he seems to be enjoying it over in mls so far but we wish Scott all the very best in Charlotte and in Major League Soccer. Already has his first goal for Charlotte, scoring in the League's Cup game at the weekend. So we'll see how he does in the league and maybe maybe we'll see him in the pitch in Vancouver again one day. Maybe or maybe not, we'll see him in Canadian colours. But that is it for our international chat for this episode. We're going to be turning our attention back to the domestic game for the final part and to League One BC. It was a great weekend for the Whitecaps, a bad one for TSS Rovers and Unity and the Highlanders had a pretty good weekend as well. We'll be back chatting all of that after this. Hi, my name is Kerry Fayao from the Vancouver Whitecaps and you're listening AFTN. Bye. 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the final song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of July from Edinburgh, Scotland. Shop Assistance. Now it's a song called Fixed Grin, taken from their one and only album released in 1986. And there's a, a line in that song. I listen and I learn and everything turns out all right. A good message for life, a good message for football as well. And do you know who had very fixed grins on their face on Saturday afternoon? It was the head coaches of the Whitecaps League One BC teams, Katie Collar and Rich Fagan, after both of their sides reached this Saturday's championship game at BC Place and it was two fantastic performances as well by both teams to dispatch TSS Rovers, break the Pirates' hearts and end their season in the process. First up at Kenwood's Field on Saturday, it was the Whitecaps girls' Rex Elite, the defending champions in League One BC, and they came away with a big 5-2 victory over the Rovers. What time was it at UBC? It was 5 past TSS, as the Whitecaps booked their place in Saturday's championship game. It all started so well for TSS. Delana Friesen fired them ahead just two minutes in, but then the Whitecaps girls took over. Joy Kimwemwe tied it up in the 16th minute, Emma Yee, who was fantastic in that first half for the Whitecaps, made it 2-1 in the 21st. And they were dominant after that, and they easily could have had a few more goals. They had to wait till the 73rd minute, though, before they got the killer third. It's been given as a goal for Jamie Perrault, but for me it was an own goal by Rovers keeper May Hobenshield, as Perrault's shot crashed off the bar and then hit off Hobenshield and into the back of the net. Four minutes later, though, Perot did get her goal in the 77th minute to make it 4-1. Then Kaylee Hunter from the penalty spot saw the Whitecaps go nap in the 81st. TSS didn't give up, though. Pulled one back in the 86th minute through Nicky Virk. It's been a great season for Chelsea Hannison's side. The highs from last week in getting in to the semi-finals and the playoffs just weren't a match on the afternoon for the Whitecaps girls. Both teams were heavily depleted. The, the Whitecaps had lost a lot of their senior players at the end of June. And a lot of the, the young guns, 15 and 16-year-olds, had stepped up to the plate. One of them being Kaylee Hunter, who now has six goals in her last five matches for the Whitecaps. They also have the joint Golden Boot winner in the women's side. Kiera Blondell has 10 goals tied with Kat Tony from Notsamot. Caught up with Whitecaps head coach Katie Collar after the game, jubilant as you can imagine, just chatting about her side, getting back and a chance to defend their crown at BC Place on Saturday. So Katie, I mean that was just a clinic at times from start to finish. Five goals, I mean it really could easily have been more but very... I don't want to say comfortable, but it, it, it felt 
an easy afternoon out there for you at times. Yeah, you know, it was a good performance from the group. We like to keep it interesting, conceding in the first 10. A yeah. little bit of adversity, you know, but I think uh, overall, you know, it was great to see some of the young ones step up, new players stepping in, Kaylee Hunter playing 90 minutes. You know, we've got Sadie Brisbane, who's come back from an eight-month injury. She played uh, just under 70 minutes. Um, so really cool to see them step in and, and put in a performance in a semifinal. We spoke about this last year. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. It's like when the seniors move on, it's the next lot up. And there's been some amazing 15-year-olds that seems to have come through, like Kaylee Hunter and the, the Stewart sisters. And talk about the, the depth that this squad has. Yeah, it, you know, I think this squad, even compared to last year, is is deep. And, you know, I look to the bench and anybody could go in at any point when we need them. And, you know, some uh, some are gaining that experience as some of the young players. Uh, Kaylee's one from Alberta. She's a 2008. Uh, so her stepping in and, and being a big goal scorer for us, I think she scored in every game, uh, has been great. And seeing the Stewart sisters now start to grow and, and grow into the, the program. And I'm excited for their future next year. So back to the championship game, looking to defend your title. How much has that been spoken about by the team? Or ha I know the old cliche, one game at a time, but have you spoken about this chance to, to defend or are you going to do that now? Uh, we focused on this game for sure. I would say the conversations around you know, defending the title or, or going for another one is more around the things that it took us to get there the first time. Uh, you know, With our Blue Stars win, with the win last year, I think uh, yeah, it was more around like what are the things that we did and lead up to that, what are the things that we did within those games as a group that helped us win those titles the first time. So less about the game next week, I would say, more around like the key details that we need to bring out from our championship games to continue to win. Last year, you went in as underdogs. I think you're going in as favourites this year, so you know you're going to have a target on your back. Do you like that? You know what? It changes the picture a little bit. It's good learnings for the kids. It's a different uh, situation to be in. I would say, I would argue we would have been the uh, the favourites or, or had a target on our back all year. Uh, you know, there are some of those that, you know, not some always puts together a good team, but I think, you know, going into this year, being the reigning champs, you always have a target on your back. So um, it's nothing they haven't dealt with before, and I have every confidence that they'll be able to deal with it again. And last thing, not looking beyond next week too much, but obviously you've clinched your spot in the interprovincial game, which you didn't get to go to last year. How much are you looking forward to that, being in BC and the chance to showcase across uh, like all of Canada? Yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity, you know, really cool situation this year. Quebec, the NDC in Quebec won their league as well. Um, Ontario did as well. So clean sweep for the NDCs in terms of the league ones across the country and um, getting to meet Quebec. I don't, unfortunately, Ontario's had to opt out, but getting to meet uh, Quebec there and the next team from Ontario will be a great opportunity for us to measure up against the rest of the country. That's great. Congratulations and good luck next week. Thank you. So Katie Collar there, and she's not going to be the only Whitecaps coach leading her team out for the championship game on Saturday, because Rich Fagan will be doing so on the men's side, and there's going to be a new name on the championship trophy this year on the men's side, as the Whitecaps will be taking on the Highlanders in Saturday's final, after dispatching of TSS Rovers 4-0 in their semi-final at Kenwood's Field on Saturday afternoon. And it was a dominant performance from the Whitecaps lads. Luke Norman opened the score in the sixth minute. Then second half goals from Amir Gassemi, Joven Mann and Sidney Wathuta did the damage. TSS just not able to pick themselves up after last weekend's heartbreaking loss in stoppage time to the Highlanders. 
that saw them lose, lose their berth in the Canadian Championship. It had been a tough week of training. They were down a lot of players. They didn't have all their SFU guys. And it was just not the TSS side that's given us so many highs over the year. The season started very much on a high. It ended though on a low as TSS crash out. But well done to Rich Fagan's side. That 4-0 victory books their berth in Saturday's championship game. Let's hear what head coach Rich Fagan had to say after the match. So, Rich, I've got to be honest, I didn't see that coming. I thought it would be a close game, but that was commanding. That was a 4-0 victory, and you're well worth that four-goal win as well. Yeah, I'm really pleased. Um, from start to finish, I, f- I feel like the boys just top performance. We haven't scored enough goals this season. We feel like we've been a bit snake-bitten in front of goal, and we've worked so hard at it, so for them to score the goals and the type of goals that they scored today, I'm so, I'm so pre- pleased and proud for them. Your movement today, though, was fantastic. I don't think TSS had any answer to the pace that you had on the wings and just a quick movement, the quick transition play. Is, is that what the message was? Had you seen that TSS were maybe, maybe susceptible because they, they put tons of players forward themselves? Yeah, they commit players forward, but we stick to our principles. We try to play the same way against everybody. We stick to the, the plan and um, they, they just did it so well today. What have you seen from your team this season? Because obviously you finished the last two games, you didn't get a win, but you came out all guns firing today. And it's been a bit up and down. You've had some great performances. You've maybe had some that's not been so good. What have you made of the team up to this point? Um, what I would say is this. We benefit from playing in the Fraser Valley in the, in the early part of the year. So we're together for a long time and we work really hard at trying to understand the way that we want to play, the principles that we use with and without the ball. We use the entire team, so when we make a sub and somebody comes on, he knows exactly what to do, he sticks to the plan, and we do it pretty much every week. Like I said, we've been a little bit snake-bitten in front of goal, but it came off today. We've worked so hard to score those types of goals. Like Every goal that you saw today was planned, and it was purposeful, and it was stuff that we've worked on, not just leading up to this game, but throughout the season. Championship game now, next week, BC plays a a great setting for these young lads to to show their, their work. It's the Highlanders that you're going to be playing in it. You looking forward to that one? I am. Uh, I think Steve has done a great job with that group. Um, they're one of the toughest teams to play against. They're so organised, um, and they've got a really strong spine. And, and, and obviously, you know they've won the season, um, and they're going to be a top top competitor next week. You've been with the club for so many years now. What, what does this mean for you? The chance to actually go and play for some silverware now next week. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been with the club since 2010. Um, this will be my second final, actually. Yeah, just listen, if we perform well, that's all I really care about. If we have good performances um, and the kids showcase themselves, they deserve the opportunity, I'll be happy with that. Good luck next week. Thank you very much. So Whitecaps head coach Rich Fagan just chatting about getting into the championship game should be a cracking match against Highlanders, the regular season champions. Four o'clock that one goes on Saturday afternoon at BC Place. The Whitecaps girls taking on Unity in the women's championship game. That one goes at one. Tickets available now. Try and get down for that. It should be two fantastic performances. Two very good Whitecaps teams. A lot of up-and-coming talent, and maybe talent that we'll see break through into the senior national teams as well over the years. But that's it for our League One chat. Let's 
just round off the football chat in this show by chatting a little bit Vancouver FC and Canadian Premier League. And for Vancouver FC, it was another defeat for the basement side. I like saying that, just to annoy Zach. But it, it was a good performance in a 2-0 defeat at Forge, where they basically just switched off for two minutes, were punished, and they went down to a 2-0 defeat, Zach. I mean, dwelling in a basement at this time of year is actually quite cool and feels better than... <laughs> <laughs> But no, yeah, uh, it was, uh, I mean, going into the game, it felt good to have, you know, be undefeated against Forge and to <laughs> not have conceded a goal. And so, again, the first five halves of football we played against Forge, did not concede a goal, felt really good. I said to Kirk, like, leading up to the game in the day, I said, if we uh, if we get a clean sheet from this, like, I'll be over the moon. But that obviously was not meant to be. The crazy thing coming out of the game is after three games against Forge, we're on par with them in terms mm-hmm. of our, our record, right? Uh, goalless draw and two, uh, two, uh, two nil wins for the home sides in those games, right? So, yeah. It was a, a strange game. I, I mean, it didn't really feel that Vancouver were going to come away with a win at, at any point. Um, I thought maybe if they can come away with a nil-nil draw, it's like clean sheet well, at, at a good team like forge but i don't know we, we did create some chances like more than more than uh maybe i thought we would uh, it was really interesting one of the interesting things for me michael was that it was the first game where you saw hundle sitting on the bench from the that beginning. was just going to mention that yeah so he didn't start this one and i wonder because you'd said last week it's like can can they have those two on the pitch together and they yeah they don't really it doesn't really seem to fully work the the way that Afshin wants it to when they're both together, but so he started on the bench. But to his credit, when he came on, he created stuff, yeah. and uh, you might even say maybe should have scored. <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean that's good. He like he needs to show that because yeah. he needs to then say to show to Afshin, look, you've just dropped your top scorer. I mean it could just have been for rest, obviously, but it's like. I, you need me in the team because this is what I can do. You have to find a way that you can play me and Diaz in this team together. I feel that was the first or maybe the second time where he hasn't started a game this year, right? So, yeah, the rest and obviously the bringing in, you know, the number three all-time scorer in the league history, you know, uh, impacts things. But, yeah, I, I agree that his effort on the pitch helped uh, his cause in terms of saying, hey, like, I, I deserve my place in the team. Uh, I I, th- I think that Afshin, if if they want to do that, they really need to adjust, and I don't know that we fully have the players to make those that that adjustment necessarily. Um, well, obviously, we're I think we're in a better place than, than we were earlier in the year to make that adjustment to go to like two at the front, whether that's you know three three five two or four four you know a four, uh, a variant of four four two. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I think I think playing Hundel more kind of in a in a four-two-three-one or whatever, where he's like behind the main striker, or a four-four-four-one-one or whatever, hasn't really worked. Or putting him out wide, in, in, as he has had to do at the end of some games, he's looked really out of place and has hurt them def- like defensively. Uh, if if Afshin can come up with something where it is the two of them uh, playing together up top, that would that might be ideal. But it's hard to see at this moment. Yeah. Now. 
Hundle was one of the players on the bench, one of only five players <laughs> on the bench. And we actually got uh, an email from friend of the show, Greg Petrie. So he said, so for a number of years, Zach Wood rightly and justifiably complain about the Whitecaps failing to use charter flights that they were allotted each year. The complaint being that it was detrimental to the club winning. With that in mind, I look forward to criticism of Vancouver FC consistently travelling with only five subs, something that must surely also be detrimental to the club winning. Which, yes, it is, but Afshin, like Felipe asked Afshin about this a couple of weeks ago, and it appears to be budgetary, Zach, that the club simply can't afford to bring the full allocation of subs to these long-distance games which is disappointing and surprising and maybe a little bit worrying about the the financial situation in the league if it is the fact that they're giving up taking a full quota of subs because of cost. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think it's the right decision. Uh, I think it does hurt the coach's options and, and the results on the pitch. I don't know the I haven't asked, so that's something I I'll ask and see if I can find out the full the full reason why. Like the fuller behind Afshin's answer kind of reason why, but yeah, it's it's not obviously not the best. Because um, one one of those but, five, of course, is the backup goalkeeper. So then you're you're limited yeah. to your four outfield options, which is which is the, that's the way it used to be back. In well, the day. yeah, I mean, it's the old. But, maybe but, it's just old school. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think Afshin is making the choice. Obviously, no. Yeah, I mean, if that's the if if that's like the, the biggest issue with how the club is run, I can I can live with that. Yes. And th- th- there's a lot of other issues, I'm sure, at the end of the oh, season yeah. we can delve into and we'll speak to Rob. And It's maybe not been the season he hoped for. It might have been the one he was kind of expecting, but publicly he did say uh, we're going to be a playoff team, we're going to push for the playoffs from the, the get-go, and it hasn't quite been that. Well, yeah. Well, there's some comments about that. Maybe we'll say you and I. Yeah. You and I had them, but maybe we'll talk about well, that. Well, yeah. Also, but, but, just pre-game, Afshin had said with 12 games to go, he feels seven wins and they can get in the playoffs. It's now seven from 11. If you're delving yeah. into it that way. Yeah, yeah. I haven't even looked at it like in that in that sense. For me, it's like game to game. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. Uh, I, that's how I view it. Um, well, there are 11 points off the playoff spots just now. I mean, it would be one hell of a an end to the season for them to get into that now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Not not impossible, yeah. but yeah. But but thanks for the question, Greg. Yeah, it, it, it is a very valid one because you are being detrimental to your chances of winning because totally. injuries, sickness, like players get sick like stomach bugs whatever it's like all those things can factor into it the one thing i'll say not directly about greg's question but as you and i've talked about because i know you asked me about it it was was like oh tj's not on the trip Mm. the one conversation i have had with someone about about tj and his you know minutes in in this 2023 season is that yeah essentially it's a, a very much like uh how robbo handled uh a young alfonso davies right where he is not going to be playing all the time, every minute, even though his skill and, and abilities uh, would be helpful to the team, that they're they're they want to bring him along as carefully as possible. Uh, they're really happy with his development, and uh, obviously he's made significant contributions, and they they anticipate that he will continue to do that. 
Um, and you know, they've already, uh, despite overtures from, from, from some parties for him, they, they have a, they have a plan and they have a pathway for him, uh, both, uh, with the club and, and beyond. And so, um, yeah, if anyone's wondering why he wasn't included, I, th- my guess was, would be, is that that's part of like just managing, uh, how much, how much he does, uh, and how much he plays and that kind of stuff. I mean, that does make sense. And that has been one of the high points of the season, seeing him come through in his discovery. But looking at the standings, oh, so tight. Five points separating first and sixth place just now. Uh, It's going to be a fantastic end of the season. If you haven't seen a lot of the CPL this year, it's it's been very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Enjoying this season, we said a few weeks ago, this has been way more enjoyable for me than last season. Probably taking more interest as well with Vancouver FC now being here as well. Well, and you, I mean, you've been following Josh Hurd more closely too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And speaking of Josh Hurd, mm. you see his goal? I did. Yeah. I may have shouted an expletive. <laughs> Even though I was happy that they won, but I was yeah. like, yeah. But Pacific topped the table, 29 points from 17 games. They've played a game less than four to your also on 29 points. And the same amount of games as Cavalry, who didn't get the win at the weekend and then fell to third. Those three, you think, are going to be battling it out. But Halifax are on a little bit of a run. Patrice guys are great chat with him a couple of weeks ago. Really enjoyed finally catching up with him. Mm-hmm. His side's making a good push now. And they've had three wins out of their last four. They seem unstoppable uh, at home. And they got their first away win now as well and got that monkey off their back. So... They're looking good for the, the playoffs. Atletica's moved up. York's maybe in a bit of a downward slide just now. But the next game for Vancouver FC, which I think I'm going to go to on Sunday, is Valor. The bottom two teams, the two lowest scoring teams, I've got it pegged as a nil-nil draw, but I might go three for three in my Vancouver FC wins here. Yeah, well, the last home encounter with Valor was a goalless draw where Amir... Missed a great chance at the end. Uh, Amir, of course, will be, susp- will be suspended for this match and can't make up for that. Yeah. Um, as well, I guess Pele uh, will still be out. And I think there were, st- I think, two players, if I remember correctly, who got uh, accumulation bookings in this last match. I think Quok is one. Oh. Really, really sucks. And there was, a, I think, another player who got an accumulation su- uh, suspension out of this. Uh, I can't remember who it was. They've been very. I hope it wasn't Tyler. I hope it wasn't Crawford because that would cause real problems. Um, um, But uh, yeah, no, I I mean, if you're coming, Michael, then that doesn't guaranteed win. Also, I want to be, I want to chat with Phil DeSantis before he possibly gets his jotters at the end of the season. I said hi to him last time he was there. He gave a wave. He's had a tough, tough run of games. It's not a bad team that he's got. It's just, they're just not. I mean, they're not giving up many goals, but they're not scoring either. Going to be an interesting one. Hopefully a good crowd gets out for that. It's a holiday weekend, though, so I don't know. We'll see. Let's Yeah, let's not... Don't make excuses. Let's just if, come to the game yeah, if you're oh, in town. I, yeah, I, I'm, I should be there unless I'm tired from all my exertions on Friday and Saturday. It's another busy weekend of football. It's crazy, crazy stuff. But that, that is it for our football chat. It's not it for the show. We're going to finish with this episode's wavelength. And I'm not usually a big fan of the official songs of the World Cups that we've had. 
But I'm going to bring you the official song for this 2023 Women's World Cup. It's a collaborative effort between Benny from New Zealand and Mall Rat from Australia. And it's actually a really good song. I, I like this one. It's called Do It Again. Let me know what you think of it. And Mallrat, do it again. We'll do it again next week. So that is it for another jam-packed episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Not with any jam segments. Actually, the first time we did our favourite jam segment was with the Canadian women's national team players way, way back in the day. So we've come full circle there. Just before we go, though, Zach, any final thoughts for you? Any fun things caught your eye this week? Where can folk find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Zachary. I'm very occasionally tweeting there. Yeah, no, I'm just sad for the, the women's national team to be done. Uh, and yeah, if you're looking for something to do on the BC BC Day long weekend, uh, come on by 
the uh, Willoughby, what is it called? Willoughby Park Stadium at Langley Event Centre. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit uh, of a mouthful. I, I don't know when they're, they're going to announce the the AFTN Stadium. Yeah, they, I think there's going to be naming rights eventually. Um, and maybe, maybe actually, just for Greg, maybe when the naming rights come through, then we'll have seven players on the bench for away matches. Oh, yeah. Maybe um, just waiting for that <laughs> lovely stadium money. But no, yeah, seriously, it should be a, a fun, a fun, uh, fun outing versus Valor. We'll wave some flags and have a good time. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> long weekend of football because you've got Whitecaps on Friday night, League One Championship games at BC Place on Saturday, and then and Vancouver FC on Sunday. Yeah, don't show up on Monday, Michael. You, I know you're, you're prone to make that error. I'm hoping Monday will be my one day of rest. Although we'll have to try and work out where we're going to do the podcast next week as well. But well, there's a lot of football. To still take in at the Women's World Cup and at the League's Cup as well. Hope you're enjoying this summer feast of football. I know I certainly am, and we all are here at AFT and Towers. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, give us a follow on Twitter at AFTN Canada, read all our stuff, AFTN.ca, and we'll be back talking more football next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the Caps and Ali LaRue. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.